I'm Eddie Brock. I'm a reporter. I found something really bad. I'm hearing her voice. Eddie. I have been taken. What is that? What do you want about me? You will find out. You have no idea how much you're scaring me right now. What the hell are you? We are Venom. Episode 253. It's a trap. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we, we are, are leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, there's a little little uh, spin there on uh, We Are Venom. Oh, we're so fucking glad. I know, I know. Everybody is just like, wow, these these are comedic geniuses. <laughs> oh man. I we know. did it. We might yeah. as well just stop this episode. I know. This we just we did it, Jake. We yeah, did go it. Go out like Seinfeld, just yeah. in this thing. We are apex comedians. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I feel a lot different. I, I strangely do too. You know that scene in Big Trouble in Little China when they're on the elevator and they drink the magic juice? Of course. That's how I feel. I feel like those guys in that elevator, like I can take on anything now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Okay. It's, it's slowly fleeting away. It's gone. I feel nothing. All right. I'm still riding it. Okay. All right. Let me know how that works out for you. But anyway, we are not alone. This is the worst episode we've ever done, Jake. Uh, yeah. Uh, we are not alone this week. We, uh, his triumphant return, Mr. Dan West. Straight out of England and into your ear pussies. He's a motherfucking Jedi. It's Dan West. All right. Welcome back, Dan. Dude, it's been like six months. I think it's been since uh, Avengers Infinity War since we had you on. Yeah, it's been a long time, man. You you put me in the box and uh, had a lot of the army on, which was really cool, hearing all those different voices. Yeah. But yeah, you gave me a shout for this one. Well, you've been busy with the Dungeons & Dragons podcast, which I want you to be able to plug at the end of this episode, so don't let me forget. I, 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 I tend to do that sometimes. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'll probably forget as well. It depends how much beer I drink. So. All right, all right. Yeah, fair enough. I'm right there with you, man. But we- <laughs> I'll try to help out, guys. I'm going. I'm, I'm riding this one sober. I'll, I'll try to plug Dan's podcast. Well, this week we are talking 100 percent about Venom. I know there's a lot of news that came out this week with like the Star Wars with the Mandalorian stuff. Maybe we'll touch upon that next week. Everybody else is probably talking about it anyway. But this week we are just 100 percent talking about Sony's new film Venom. And from here on out, 
it's spoiler territory. So I'm going to play your one and only spoiler warning. So if you haven't seen the movie, get out now. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. All right, yeah. Uh, Sony's Venom. When Eddie Brock acquires the powers of a symbiote, he will have to release his alter ego, Venom, to save his life. It's directed by Ruben Fleischer. He's our Zombieland director, and uh, he's been answering questions about Zombieland 2, which looks like it's going to be in production within the next week or so. Uh, it's written by Scott Rosenberg and Jeff Pinkner. Uh, those were the writers that worked on the uh, new Jumanji film with Dwayne Johnson. Uh, this movie stars Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock and Venom. Uh, Tom Har- Hardy, he recorded his lines for the Venom symbiote during pre-production. And I found out that they were actually played back to Tom Hardy through an earpiece on the set during the scenes where Brock and the symbiote talked to each other. Wow, that, that, that's really cool technique. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. So- while they're like doing all the pre-con and everything, he's yeah. doing all his recording for the Venom lines. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hardy cites singer James Brown as an influence on Venom's voice. Uh, I thought that that was kind of bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I see where he's coming from there. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yes, this is true. Yeah. I'm not making this up. I don't, I don't see it. Jake, how do you see it? How do you see James Brown? Just like with the D cause I, I didn't know. That's one of the first things I actually looked up after the movie was like, was Tom Hardy doing the voice yeah, of Venom? Yeah. Like, I was a bit unsure about that. You, you thought it was either him or if it was like uh, James Brown risen I, from the grave. Yeah, I thought like maybe James Brown had a kid and it was potentially him. Yeah. It, those, those were my two guesses I, and when it was Tom Hardy. But I didn't know he was influenced by James Brown. I thought that was just me. If this Venom during the movie would have been like, I got that feeling. Mm. <laughs> baby, baby, I got that feeling. <laughs> I would not have been surprised at all. Yeah, you know, a, a rendition of uh, living with the symbiote. Yeah, yeah. Venom's got a <laughs> oh Venom's got a brand new bag, Jake. Um, <laughs> Tom Hardy did perform as Venom on camera in the costume of Brock, over which Venom was animated in keyframe to match the movements and stunts of Hardy. So I thought that that was kind of interesting too. So, uh, Tom Hardy based his performance as Eddie Brock on three actors, Woody Allen, the torture, he quoted, this is what he said about Woody Allen, the tortured neurosis and all the humor that can come from that. Also, martial artist fighter Conor McGregor and his quote there was the taste and capability for uber violence. And this last one, Red Man. The, yeah, the rapper, the rapper. And he, he, he was quoted as saying out of control, living rent free in his head. So, okay. is, that, is that a compliment to Red Man? I, I, I don't. Red Man's been doing a lot of great acting recently. Um, he's in um, he's in uh, The Deuce on HBO. And he had a really small role in a film that I recently watched. I forget what it was. He kind of like showed up at the end as a cop. It was a terrible movie, but. He was in it for like a split second, but that's a, it's yeah, a weird. I've always, been, I've always been a fan of his, right? That, that album with him and Method Man, Blackout, from oh, like yeah. years ago. Oh, oh hell yeah. And then, uh, what was the movie they did? 
uh, How High. I love that oh, movie. Oh, that was funny, too. I kind of forgot all about that. I just actually watched that just a few months ago, and I, I remember loving it when it first came out, and I really did enjoy it when I watched it again, but the ending is so ridiculous. It is just ridiculous. There's like no... I don't know. You just have to watch that movie. It's just a silly, <laughs> fun time. So... Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, that's not the performance I got out of him. That, like when he's going, we're going to talk about it, but when he's going nuts in the restaurant, he reminded me of Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. The vocal performance had a little bit of Bobcat thrown in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this movie also stars, uh, Michelle Williams as Anne Wang. This is Michelle Williams' first superhero film. When asked why she wanted to be a part of this movie, she said, I always like to do things I haven't done before, genres, parts. I like a challenge, and one of those challenges has been stepping into a bigger world. She's really been particular about the roles that she's taken. So, like, this was kind of a big deal for Michelle Williams to take on this role in a superhero movie. Uh, Riz Ahmed stars as Carlton Drake. Uh, and Riot, uh, Jenny Slate, uh, as Dr. Doris Skirth, uh, Dr. Jenny Slate's character, Doris Skirth, is an original character exclusive to this Venom film, never featured in a comic book or any other story. Uh, Reed Scott as Dr. Dan Lewis, uh, and let's see here. Yeah, that's pretty much it for the cast, except for like one of the big reveals at the end of the movie, which we'll talk about later. But uh, the film was released in the 30th anniversary year of Venom's debut in Marvel Comics back in May 1988. I also wanted to point out that Tom Hardy had played the supervillain Bane in uh, The Dark Knight Rises. In the comics, Bane ingested a serum named Venom to gain super strength. So it all comes full circle, gentlemen. Uh, It was meant to be... Yeah. When they introduced Bane and the Venom serum, I always thought it was lame that they named it the Venom serum. Like as a kid, when that first came around, what, right? what? Yeah, I guess. Like, what? What did you want it to be called? I just not the popular Spider-Man villain. Yeah, because like, I always made that connection as a kid too. You right. know, I'm I'm, I'm I'm being a nitpicky like eight year old or whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. I totally get it. Um, I guess what we're gonna do now is we are gonna <laughs> go ahead and rate this film. So, if this is your first time listening. We want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, we are gonna actually going to start off with our guest, Dan. And, Dan, I want you to tell everybody what your rating is, but also tell, you know, tell everybody about your like background with the character and what the character means to you. Okay. Uh, well, Venom is my favorite superhero of all time, um, closely followed by Wolverine. Uh, Wolverine was the character that got me into comics. And then I remember sitting at a table at my nan's house with my cousin, and he drew a picture of Venom. And I was like, who's that? And he gave him Wolverine claws. And I was like, why has he got Wolverine's claws? And he said, oh, he can make anything out of like his this suit that he wears. I was like, oh, that's so cool. So from that point on, I started like delving into Venom, and I've just loved the character ever since I was a kid. Uh, I've always loved the artwork, I've always loved the writing, and the sort of kind of strange relationship that him and Eddie have, especially in their solo runs. So yeah, I've, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of Venom. Um, so I was obviously looking forward to this movie until I saw the trailers, and my excitement kind of dropped off. Uh, 
a fair bit. And then the last trailer came out and it dropped off a bit more. And then we found out it was PG-13 and my excitement dropped off even further to a point where I honestly couldn't give two fucks about this film. But, you know, I had to go see it. It's my favourite character. Um, uh, I'm just going to come right out and say it. I'm going to give this a low taste it because there were parts of this film which I did enjoy. A lot of it was to do with Tom Hardy's performance as, as both Venom and Eddie, um, the way he argued with himself and stuff like that, and some of the script kind of brought me back to, like, the, like, Cine to run and things like that and these weird kind of quirky jokes that the, the symbiote would make. Um, and I liked the portrayal of Eddie as well. I thought it was an interesting take on the character. Way more likable than what I'm used to. Not You know, he's a bit more of a douchebag as, as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah, it was, a, it, was an, it was an interesting film. Um, I won't be seeing it again in a cinema, and I probably won't be buying this on Blu-ray either. So, yeah, low taste it from me. And it's on verging on a toss it, to be totally honest with you. Okay, yeah, so low taste it uh, from Dan. Jake, we're going to move on to you, man. All right, yeah. I mean, this movie is ridiculous. Um, it's like, it's so stupid. I could make fun of it for weeks but i actually kind of loved it honestly like it's 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 by no means a tupperware and never could be but it's it's a middle of the road taste it for me i mean as long as i don't think about what a potential waste of a character and just all the behind the scenes stuff with the pg-13 stuff and everything but man when i shut my brain off i i laughed at this movie quite a lot and i felt like i was laughing with it more than laughing at it like tom hardy's physical comedy was pretty damn funny to me um that restaurant scene was hilarious. I mean, this movie has so many problems, and as we talk about it, it'll sound like I'm tossing it. But, I mean, ugh, I was laughing a lot, and it was just so ridiculous that I, I honestly had a great time. I might see this again in the theater. I'm curious when I see this a second time if I'll like it more or less because, man, I had a great time just munching popcorn and cracking jokes and laughing my ass off. And, like, I was never bored. Like, uh, wow, I was surprised. And the stuff you're saying, Brian, about all this behind the scenes, Tom Hardy stuff, I mm -hmm. mean, that's really crazy. And I yeah. thought he really saved the movie with, uh, like, just giving his all in what is just such a craptastic screenplay. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a middle of the road taste it. Uh, it. I acknowledge it's a terrible movie, but man, I had a great time. Yeah, I'm going to, okay, so middle of the road taste it from Jake. Uh, low taste it and, uh, uh, from Dan. So yeah, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my rating here in a moment, but I wanna talk a little bit about this. Like this is a, you know, we talked about this in the past and it was one of those things where, you know, I, I was hoping that they'd be able to pull off a Venom movie without Spider-Man because like we've seen comic book stories kind of adapted, um, and not have 100% to do with the original source material and it works, you know, because like, the MCU doesn't have access to all the characters, and a lot of these stories that they use, like, either need the Fantastic Four, the X-Men in subcapacity, but they still have found a way to make these stories work. And I was like, man, maybe they, maybe Sony can do this with Venom. And it's like, when you go back to... you, In order to do... This is not a proper Venom origin story by any means. <laughs> like, in order... And I, I, I want to talk about this a little bit, because it's like, you know... It's so far removed from like what the comic was, you know, back 
when you ha- you have to in order to do a proper and I, this movie has taught me this in order to do a proper Venom origin story you have to have Spider Man I 100% am on board with that now I, it was wishful thinking for me to think that a proper Venom origin story could come without introducing Spider Man you know when you go back to you know Secret Wars number eight. And you've got the whole battle world set up. I mean, th- that would work in, that would actually work in the MCU now, Jake. Like, they could do this stuff. Like, especially with, uh, them getting the Fantastic Four back. Like, you could do Secret Wars and you could introduce the symbiote in this way now. You could have it so we're like, um, you know, as long as like some of these characters end up surviving. But, um, you know, like, in Secret Wars number eight, it's like you get, Thor gets Mjolnir fixed and then Spider-Man goes into a room within there uh, and then he's thinking about a new suit and that's when he, the symbiote locks onto him. Yeah, Banner actually just made a brand new pair of purple pants with the thing and directs Spider-Man to do the same yeah, and yeah. Spider-Man uses something different. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's – and uh, and then from there, you know, they, they, they did a lot of setting up with this. Like they're – and they could do that in the MCU. They could do a lot of setting up because it's not like in Secret Wars we were introduced to Venom. It took another four years before we got Venom. But in the meantime, yeah. you know, Spider-Man in different comic books is using the suit. They, they – uh, I mean you find out that uh, the suit when he's, when he's wearing the black suit that – he didn't have his spider sense while he was wearing the suit. They were setting it up for such a long time because there, there was there was a comic where didn't they push him like try to put push Spider Man in front of a train? Somebody tried to push him in front of a train, and his spider sense didn't go off. And I thought it was that he had a spider sense, but not against the suit. Like he couldn't sense the suit with his spider sense. I yeah, I don't remember. It's been so long. I just thought yeah, I was. I, I remember somebody like pushing him out in front of like a train, and then like his spider sense not going off, and him blaming it on the suit. And oh, so, yeah, you might be right. That might be what led to him. Yeah, going to the Fantastic Four. Yeah, and then from there, you know, in the Sin Eater run, it's like that's where Eddie Brock. You know, uh, Spider-Man, he, he pegs somebody for something and Spider-Man blows the story up and Eddie Brock is proved wrong and the suit, he, Spider-Man rejected the suit and then Eddie Brock got burned by Spider-Man. So they both have like this hatred for Spider-Man and like that's the, the true sense of like why the two characters like gravitated towards each other because they both had like the same hate towards spider-man and like that's 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 like the proper venom origin story and i know that now and like but um <laughs> but um, yeah you get that you get the fun of yeah. one character hating peter parker and one character hating spider-man yeah. and then both converging and yeah. learning all that information at once right but it, oh, go ahead dan i was gonna say did you ever read the deadpool elseworld story where Deadpool was the first one to use that machine that Spider-Man uses in no. Secret Wars. No. <laughs> and, and the suit bonds with Deadpool. And then when it's sort of talking to him in his head, all of Deadpool's multiple personalities start talking to the symbiote and basically drive it mad before it, like, the last panel is Deadpool walking out and Spider-Man walking in. And then he gets the suit. And that's like one of the reasons why the suit's insane. <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. That's hilarious. It's pretty cool. <laughs> that's hilarious. All that being said, though, like, this is not a great Venom movie. Like, 
if 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 it if this was just a movie and it and I guess it was it's if this was just a movie about a man being taken over by an alien and you throw in a comedy this is a great movie and <laughs> because I I had a lot of fucking fun in this movie. I've seen it twice now. The first time I saw it was opening night in Dolby Atmos. Um and then I watched it again in real 3D and both times I ended up leaving the theater like I want to talk myself down like I hate this movie, but I can't because it's <laughs> it's not a proper Venom story. But on the flip side, it was so much fucking fun and I laughed pretty hard at quite a few spots in it. And like the com the comic purist in me says, oh, this is this is a low taste it. But the guy that just went in there wanting to watch a fun movie with Tom Hardy giving it his all with Riz Ahmed, who I want to talk about, in my opinion, <laughs> Riz Ahmed giving it his all. I thought Riz Ahmed was a pretty damn good villain. I'm going to give this a high taste it. I, I, this movie really blew me away as, as how, I don't fault you. as how much fun it was. It was a lot of fun. I had so much fun in this movie, uh, watching this movie. I do want it to do well. I do want to see a sequel, but on the flip side, I would like this not to be the last Venom we see. I want to see what Kevin Feige can do with Venom. If they, I, I want them to keep these worlds separate. Um, and I want to see what Kevin Feige does. There's a, there's, a, there's an action sequence in this movie that, I mean, if we can talk about, let's just, let's open this up for discussion, guys. All right. We've all, all rated right. it. There's an action scene in this movie, Jake, Dan, when he, they, when, when, when Tom Hardy goes back to his uh, old place of employment where he did like the Brock report, when he goes back there and he's fighting those, those, those military, those police, um, that whole scene where he is fighting them and the way he, the symbiote is fighting and, and he's, you know, throwing guys into one another. He basically uses the symbiote to grab all their guns. He, he basically takes all their guns and forms them into like a big gun ball and then throws the gun ball <laughs> at the villains. And then he's swinging villains around at each other. And then he's getting ready to eat the head of that one guy. That whole sequence that's venom. That was that was comic book venom. That was so good. And I know that there wasn't blood and there wasn't gore, but my god, if that was not choreographed perfectly, when you watch that whole scene, the second time watching it, I was just kind of like I, I was able to sit there and really appreciate that scene. I just thought it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And the action's really <laughs> sold by like the lead up to the action too. I thought you know just the. Uh, they do, they do a pretty good job of like showing Tom Hardy converging with the Simba. And that's kind of the first time it just kind of jumps in charge and takes over the driver's seat. And that just makes it even more exciting. But yeah, yeah, you're right, Brian. It's like the comic purist in me. Like I completely get everyone that tosses the shit out of this movie. Yeah. Like if I, if I lend myself to think about that kind of stuff, I'm like, Oh my God, what have they done? Yeah. But yeah. It's, <laughs> The movie's so much fucking fun. It's so fucking stupid. It but is so fun. It's like it's like um, Batman and Robin when that came out. Like that, they tried to do it all silly, you know, and it it just wasn't funny though. That was the big problem there, right? I mean, yeah. In in yeah, yeah. this one, the, the humor actually, even though it's like so against everything I wanted in every way, even down to the rating, it's so against everything I wanted, and. You know, it's like, it's like sometimes what you want and what you get are completely two different things, but you end up liking what you get. Maybe not as much as what you thought you were going to get, but you still enjoyed it. I don't know. It's just, there, 
and I know people are going to think I'm crazy. Like it should be, it should be expected that I get on this episode and I toss this fucking movie. But Jake, I mean, yeah, we had a packed house. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, that was kind of contagious, man. It was, you know, everyone was having a ton of fun. So it was, it was just easy to kind of fall into that and just, oh man, I was laughing my ass off. Yeah, as far as as far as your rating goes and everything, this is exactly what I was talking about just before we started recording. Because I put a poll up on the army page saying like what everyone rated this film, and it is like the cleanest amount of you know like votes for every single like bloody rating. It's like <laughs> it's about like ten or nine for like the three middle ones and then it is like it's like five and four for tupperware and toss it but it's totally split across the board and that's exactly what we've ended up with here as well it's insane yeah i it's i don't know if it's gonna be is it it's not gonna be like a divisive movie like like man of steel where people are getting into arguments over the movie in that regard i think it's just like either you liked it or you hated it or you know i don't know it's Mm, i could see arguments coming out of it honestly because like i don't like as much as as much fun as I had, I I also agree with you, Brian, that yeah. I want to see the MCU kind yeah. of do their own version of this. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I, yeah. I can see that being very divisive. I can see people, the people that Tupperware this, they want this fucking combined into that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, I, I understand that um, that they would want to see Tom Hardy's Venom. I I kind of want to see. Now that I've seen the movie, I, I just kind of like want to see this this story kind of like move forward and um them the the mcu do their own separate thing and but i don't know if that's going to happen now with this movie being out i don't know because like dc seems to lean into that we're getting two jokers you know and uh you know with joaquin phoenix and jared leto we're getting two jokers they're they're leaning into that they're just like well we don't care it's uh people love the joker so we're gonna get the more joker we can give you the better but I don't know if Kevin Feige wants to get himself mixed up into there's two different Venoms. Yeah, I kind of agree. And, I mean, this may hurt some people to say, but I kind of think he doesn't really care. Like, I, I don't think the character is on the same, like, stratosphere as Spider-Man was where he's, like, cutting deals with Sony so they can, like, cross-promote the character. You Let know? me ask you this question, Jake, Dan. Is it really up to Kevin Feige at this point? Could Amy Pascal jump in here and say well for the third spider-man movie we we want to have venom now at that point is it a battle between the two studios as to kevin feige's like okay maybe i'll give you venom you know we'll do the venom but um well it it wouldn't be the first time that amy pascal has kind of jumped the gun on something like this because there's that interview with 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 her and kevin and the interviewer asked her, like, is there any chance of, like, a Spider-Man Venom crossover? She said, well, you know, it's not it's not unheard of and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you just look at Kevin's face and he's just like, no, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, whatever Sony decide to yeah. do, I mean... Yeah, but is it really up can... to Kevin Feige? It's Sony's movie. Sony hires the actors. Like, when, when Spider-Man Homecoming came out, Marvel Studios didn't cut the check to Robert Downey Jr. It was Sony. Sony Sony paid Robert Downey Jr. to for his uh performance in that movie. So like does it really come down to anything Kevin Feige can say? Can Kevin Feige Not at all, really. Yeah. I, I think it's all down to Sony. I mean, I, you're exactly right. I, Sony is the one at the end of the day producing and making these movies, you know. It's just they're playing ball with Feige and Marvel so they can make more money. 
and they were, you yeah. know, they're handing over a little bit of the creative reins, but they're, they're not handing any of the financial reins over. And so you're absolutely right, Brian. If they're like, especially if Venom 2 comes out, it makes even more money than Venom 1, then money, you know, talks and bullshit walks and fucking Spider-Man Homecoming 3 will have Venom as the villain at that point. Like wow. no one's going to be yeah. able to stop that juggernaut. Plus yeah. Spider-Man's dead anyway, so they can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, nod, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. I don't even understand why they're why they're filming Far From Home. It just makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it could be it could be the most boring Spider-Man movie ever. Oh uh, yeah, it'll be like uh, it'll be Aunt May like cleaning him up with a dustbuster. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I let's talk. I want to talk about you know some of the characters in this movie. I you know upon second watch, I. Uh, I really thought Riz Ahmed's character was pretty incredible. Like I can I can say to myself, like, what was his motivations? Like what made this guy this way? But I think it all comes down to like the movie kind of makes it clear, like this guy was given way too much at the at an early age and he's got a God complex. And I think that's kind of like really what and and you see that God complex. Remember when they bring in like meth head Jesus, like their first human experiment that they're going to do the bonding with so they bring in meth head jesus and they're and he gives them that whole like god and isaac speech and he's like this time we're going to do it right and so like from that moment like riz ahmed as as carlton drake is like selling me on this character as being like he views himself as like a god among men and i was just like i was really kind of like he reminds me of like you know, with uh, with the space exploration and stuff, kind of like an Elon Musk type character. You know, mm, like, I, I think that's a great comparison. You know, without of course, like you know, Elon Musk. I don't know if he, I don't think he gets involved like in the pharmaceutical side of stuff and and things like that. But as far as like the space exploration, I was thinking like the closest guy that we have to like this Carlton Drake is like an Elon Musk, and this is like if Elon Musk was evil, you know. And I was just <laughs> I was really upon second watch of this movie and being able to kind of like kind of watch. Carlton, uh, Carlton Drake, the character, and Riz Ahmed's performance as him. I was just really kind of blown away by that character and the job that he did. I thought he did a fantastic job. I want to know what you guys thought, though. Yeah, I, I'm right. Oh, go ahead, Dad. I was going to say, man, I, I, do, I totally agree with you. I think that his portrayal of the character was um, was very subtle. And a lot of it was to do with the like lines that he was given as well and how he actually sort of like said things. Because I always remember um, there's a bit where he's talking to um, Doris Gerth, like Jenny Slate's character. Yeah. And um, it's the bit with, uh, I think it's the bit with the rabbit. And he says like going on to human trials and all that sort of stuff. And then she kind of like says, oh, no, it's not ready for human testing. And then he turns around and says, well, it's important work. We need to be doing this work, you know, for the future, for our children. And then he just looks at her and says, like, how are your children, by the way? Oh, yeah. And then he, and it's like, but he says it in an incredibly kind of, you know, endearing manner. But the words that he uses, you just think, oh, shit, he's fucking threatening her by asking her about her kids. And there, was a sinis- the way- there was a sinister undertone to that. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It's, it, it was very, it, his performance was very underplayed for the first kind of two thirds of the movie, which I really enjoyed. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Riz Ahmed anyway. And, um, I thought he did a great job. But, um, unfortunately for me, when he kind of became Riot, um, it got a, a bit shit. <laughs> oh, stop it. One of my favorite parts in this movie was the actual boss battle between Riot 
Oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's. <laughs> I thought it. I actually thought that it was pretty fucking incredible. I. I thought it was great. I had a blast with the boss battle in this one. I really wow. did. I thought the boss ba- – okay, if you're going to compare this boss battle to the boss battle that we got in – and I loved the whole film and I know you're not the biggest fan. But I felt like the boss battle between Venom and Riot was actually better than the boss battle that we got in Wonder Woman with Ares. Um, yeah, well, that's not difficult, is it? Well, okay. <laughs> I know. Dan, you're not a fan you're of the movie. You're to the wrong guy. <laughs> I, maybe I should ask Jake. But I, yeah. as far as like the the level of fun that I had watching that boss battle, I was just – I thought it was so fun just watching the two symbiotes kind of like rip each other off. And you saw them kind of uh, – the, the, the amount of CG that they did – and I thought the slow-mo in that worked really well, well, where you could kind of see them kind of like come together and then like rip each other apart. And, and it was, yeah, it was just was cool. pretty incredible. And, and, uh, when you, when you, when that, when that fight first start and, uh, and Riot drops his symbiote fist down like it's a, like it's a, a mace, I was just like, oh shit, here we go. And, it, I just I thought it was fun. It it wasn't like it was like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever seen, but it was no. just fun watching two dip, two symbiotes uh go at it and I also thought it was really cool that Venom himself on his planet was kind of like the loser and um Riot kind of saw that Venom's host was strong. So that that's kind of like what made him evenly matched here because like going into that fight, Venom was like, we got a 0% chance to stop this guy. 0%. <laughs> but then we find out like Eddie Brock, Eddie Brock's will is pretty damn strong. And yeah. um, I, it, it's, the, it's literally their symbiotic relationship, which makes Venom so strong, yeah. which I like that they kind of kept that as part of the, you know, canon in inverted commas. But the whole, the whole thing about him being like a runt and a loser on on his home planet, I was like, "What? What's he talking about? <laughs> what is this?" Yeah, all the delivery of that exposition really cracked me up too. It's like during one, like him running from point A to point B, C, where like they just drop all this exposition about like you know him from his planet and why they have to stop Riot yeah, yeah. and all and all this stuff. It was like, whoa, yeah, the, yeah, that was. That was I mean, th- this film. That's this why I'm film, saying it's not a good. It's not a good Venom movie. It's a. It's yeah. just a fun movie if you yeah. kind of like take yourself out of like the comic book, you know, like your comic book purist purist uh, outlook. Oh yeah, it. yeah. Oh yeah, and I'm right there with you. And, and it, I thought Riz was fantastic too. He really chewed up a lot of ridiculous stuff going on, and his delivery was great. Um, it just made it all the more fun when he got the suit. Like I was already excited for him to get a suit about like a half an hour in just from his performance yeah. um yeah i thought he was great um i did not think michelle williams was that fantastic though and i was Agreed. really surprised to hear um like the stuff you were saying about how she like carefully like curates her roles and it's her first superhero movie and i thought she was by far the most paint by numbers female in a superhero movie character I've seen in quite a long time. Well, I mean, it's... no chemistry between them, man. There just wasn't anything between them. It was like Tom Hardy was... I thought Tom Hardy was great all throughout this. I loved his performance. But, like, the scenes between him and Michelle Williams... It, they just they just didn't even seem like they fucking knew each other like acting wise it was it was really odd 
it, yeah, it was super awkward. And the storyline, like their love relationship, like it, it was kind of working for me for the first half of the movie. And then they just kind of totally drop it, right? Like the, the guy that she's living with is just completely out of the picture. And they, they don't, not that I give a shit about that in a Venom movie, but why even bring them, bring it up if you're just going to absolve it with no actual answer later? Oh, it's, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, <laughs> no, um, I, you know, you got that first scene between them and they have like this sweet joking moment and they're bouncing really well off one another in the restaurant, you know? When, no. I thought yeah. they, I thought they were. I thought they did a fine job bouncing off one another and kind of flirting and like, you know, even Tom Hardy's flirting. He's got like his, he's got like his head on, resting, um, on his hand and he's kind of like leaning up and just flirting with her and they're just joking around. And that the thing was like, he totally, uh, destroyed her career by, uh, you know, doing what he did and revealing that information in the Brock report. And so, you know, when you, when you love someone that hard, when they're engaged, she's going to drop you even harder. And you saw kind of like his, you know, his, uh, he was like rock bottom. We saw, we saw Eddie Brock at rock bottom. He's lost everything. And when she sees him again, you know, you can kind of tell that she's just with this, she's not with this other guy because she like loves him. He's just, and it's not like he's just a placeholder, but she doesn't have with Dan, Dr. Dan, what she had with Tom Hardy. And I feel like, you know, there's a part of her that still loves him and wants to be with him. I, I think it worked for me. It's like, like, I don't know what you guys, what people are wanting. Half the time people get on these uh, podcasts and they piss and moan about these romantic relationships anyway. And then when they try to give you one, then it's not romantic enough and you didn't buy it. It's like, well, I, no, I mean, I just said it did work for me for the first half. And my biggest problem with it was they just completely, they didn't even care to like wrap it up there was no epilogue to it It was my biggest problem with it and like, for it was, me i didn't have a problem with the story i just didn't think that she was very good in it i thought her well, acting yeah. was pretty abysmal yeah and the michelle williams like being like it was like she was being held by like gunpoint offset yeah like it was it weird. Was, that that made it bad too like the actual the writing brian was fine though like i'm not like eh, i want you know romance yeah, yeah, yeah I the, I, the writing was was fine enough until they you know a didn't resolve it and b half of the acting wasn't there i thought she did a fine job i thought she did a fine job acting like a woman who was still had feelings for him but she couldn't show him. She had to keep it all in because he really hurt her. And I felt like, you know, anything moving forward it, with Anne Wang and Eddie Brock would be for left for the sequel. And I thought that they set that up really nicely at the end of the movie with the interplay, the interaction between, uh, you know, Venom and Eddie. You know, they've kind of like <laughs> it sounds like they've kind of been talking about getting her back. So. Mm. You know, I, yeah. I I don't know. It worked for me. I like Michelle Williams, and I if she had a bad performance in a movie, I'd let you know. And I just don't think she phoned it in on this one. But maybe maybe it's a combination of they didn't give her enough to do. But Dan just thought her acting was abysmal. So yeah, it was terrible. Dan, there's nothing there. It was what, I know. Like what's Felicity well, Jones and yeah. fucking what's her face well, all over again? This is not no. You, comparing her to Felicity Jones, stop it. <laughs> I, you guys need to watch Manchester by the Sea. Her and Casey no, Affleck. I, I like Michelle Williams yeah. too. I'm not, but in this movie, sure. I don't think she gave a shit. 
No, I don't either, man. I just just didn't seem like her heart was in it at all. It was like Tom Hardy was giving his all, and his side of the, you know, the conversation it seemed endearing, and it really felt like they were in love. And Michelle Williams just like, seemed like she just didn't want to fucking be there, just couldn't be bothered. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I don't think that she should win an Oscar, but I don't think she. Was, <laughs> I'm not I'm not throwing out words like abysmal. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with Dan. I held there by gunpoint. <laughs> My question to you guys is: Let's go back to like the uh, you know the symbiotes and like they come from their planet and and there's uh, you know they talked about like why they're there. They're all, they're there to basically eat people and then and then move on. But um, yeah, I didn't like that either. What I think is hilarious about this is okay, so it they come down with the four symbiotes come back on the ship, right? It, we got the four, I believe. There was Venom, yeah, right. yep. there was the other two, and then the one that got away in uh, Malaysia, correct? Yeah, yeah that three, they started yeah. the movie with. Yeah, okay. Yeah, three three came back to the lab, and then one disappeared. They also said that there were also, but there, on, on this comet, this comet that they interacted with, there were millions of symbiotes. Yeah. Right, okay. How do you, okay. How do you keep how do how do you name millions of symbiotes when you have like names like Venom and Riot? Like, don't you run out of like really dark names after a while? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like if you have like more than twelve American Gladiators, it starts to get really tough, right? Yeah, <laughs> to name those guys. And I'm thinking like, there's only so many Nitros. Don't you get that? Like, oh, here's here's Riot. Here's here's carnage. Here's here's toxin. venom. Here's toxin. Here's Scream. annihilation. Scream! Hi, I'm Todd. You know we got. <laughs> yeah. This is Philip. <laughs> yeah, I like that too, Bruce. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, it's not. It's yeah. not going to work. <laughs> I just thought that that was a funny thing to think of. Um, that, that was that was a pro- one of the problems I had with this film was that they kind of like changed the kind of biology of the the symbiotes as in you know in this movie they eat their host from the inside out if they don't feed on some form of flesh mm-hmm. which yeah. i know in the comics that eddie did get kind of like these weird kind of withdrawal symptoms and stuff when he like forced venom not to eat people um and uh, I can't remember what that run was called. It was just called The Hunger or something like that. So, you know, he started getting these, like, weird shakes and things like that. But it, it never, like, hurt him on a physical level. So having that bring that in as a kind of, like, you know, deus ex machina, like, shoehorned exposition thing into why, you know, the, the symbiotes would move on and, you know, they had to do these terrible things to sort of stay with their host. I, it was just kind of ham-fisted. I, I didn't like that. Jake, what do you think about that? Did you have a problem with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it was fine. Like, it's I agree with Dan, but like, it's for the purposes of, purposes of this movie, it didn't bother yeah, me. Yeah. Like, they just simplified it and made it just kind of a body horror thing, just to keep it in the confines of this two-hour, you know, action popcorn fest. Like, yeah, is it stupid compared to the way it's done in the comic book? A hundred percent, but. I don't know, like in the confines of this movie with the, I like seeing like the body horror of the, like testing of the symbiotes and it not working and all that stuff. So eh, I didn't have a problem with it. Was that fucking dog was fine though, wasn't it? All those rabbits, (laughs) 
all those rabbits blown up, all them rabbits fucking dead except for that one rabbit. Yet when Venom jumps into this random fucking dog, oh look, it's a perfect match and he's fine with it. Well, what about the little? Oh, what about the little? What about the little girl that handed off the symbiote to Carlton Drake? Like, did she survive? We don't even know. Yeah, exactly. All those people, you mm-hmm. know, all those people that Riot was jumping into. None of them fucking rejected it. So what, all those people were a perfect match for that one fucking Sibia. Get the fuck out of here. Well, it feels like a thing they can easily <laughs> so fix this. It feels like a thing they can easily fix in a sequel though, right? It's like they don't, like they didn't figure it out yet. They hadn't done all their testing yet. Like they can easily just like say, oh, okay, you know, the suit decided whether or not it was going to kill these people when it entered mm-hmm. the people and it has nothing to do yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a one-line retcon. <laughs> well, yeah, they don't, they don't know. That, needs. They don't know the science. And we know that the other two symbiotes died. Yeah. They said, uh, you know, they... One did. No, no. they both died. They said that both sure? died. Yeah. Um, Riz Ahmed, Carlton Drake said in the movie, he as he's talking to uh, Doris Girth, he said that... Uh, the other two symbiotes died, so they need to get uh, Eddie back. Okay. Because I figured that, like, the one that might have got away would have been Carnage, but... I'm thinking that maybe we'll be introduced to a new symbiote, perhaps, by way of that comet next film. I don't know. But it's... It, 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 the line that I heard, and I can't say it verbatim, is he's when he's talking to, to uh, Dr. Skirth... He says that they need that symbiote back because the other two symbiotes have died. Okay, that makes total sense because that's something that I was sort of thinking, you know, one of them definitely died because it merged with Scurf and then then it, she died and it died and you see it on the floor. Right. And then you have Venom, then you have Riot, and then there was the other one we didn't ever actually see die. Could that so other one that they said died, could it be, could it be playing Possum and that possibly be Carnage? Maybe, man, because, you know, they don't explain much of anything else in this film, so that could totally be possible. Wow. Wow. What a what an <laughs> underhanded jab at this beautiful movie. <laughs> How dare you, okay. sir? All right. Okay. Can I ask you guys a question? Mm-hmm. Right. When Venom went full Venom, yeah. when he went full on Venom, did you guys like how he looked? Did you like his character design and special effects? Mm. I didn't think the special effects were all that great. I definitely miss seeing the big white spider on the chest. Like, Mm. to me, that's one of the most iconic things about the whole thing. And it was unfortunate that it was, like, either dark, misty, or camera shaking almost every time we were seeing Venom. Uh, I didn't hate it. It didn't, like, completely take me out of the movie, but it definitely could have been better. I give it a C plus. Yeah, I I, um, I thought when I saw it in uh, the Dolby Atmos, it looked... More CG, especially the just the symbiotes themselves. They look very CG. But when you saw it in real 3D, it, it was a little bit darker. The screen wasn't as bright, so everything looked a little bit better. Um, as far as, like, the character design of Venom in the movie, overall, I liked it. Uh, give it a B-, minus. but part of me likes that Venom that's, like, kind of like a gorilla, you know, like, bigger on top, and it looks like he skipped leg day. And so <laughs> part of me loves that Venom and just, like, a, a bigger, wider jaw. Um, and, uh, but, uh, overall I did enjoy it. Yeah. If we're going to grade it, you know, I'll give it a B minus, but, um, I, I, I really liked the, the design of Venom and I thought the CG that they used on him when he was fully formed was actually pretty good. I was surprised because after watching the motorbike scene, 
um, and the <laughs> fight and the fight scene in the in like uh, Eddie's flat, and and just face palming and going, oh my god, that looks fucking terrible. That when he actually fully forms as Venom, I was like, oh shit, that actually looks pretty damn good. Um, I liked, you know, like how they draw his eyes in the comic. They kind of look like that white fire. Mm-hmm. I always wondered, is that going to be like just kind of a static thing on his face? And then when there's that bit where Eddie, like, well, when Venom jumps in the water and then they come out and he's like on the pier. And then just the head, like, comes out and starts talking to him and talking to him about how, like, he knows everything that he knows. Um, the, the way the liquid, like, the skin, like, was rippling over what I can only assume are, like, solid irises. And that's what made up the pattern that I saw in the comic. I thought that was really fucking cool. I love that, that it was, it was kind of like that kind of like Rorschach mask thing, like in Watchmen, that it was always different. And that was, it was a really clever bit of design to show that the eyes look like fire, but it's actually constantly moving around. I thought that was really sweet. Oh yeah, like Rorschach. I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, it was just, you know, it was something that I, I wondered how they were going to go from the page to the screen, and they yeah. fucking nailed that. I yeah, because that you, don't, you, you, you don't know that when you're reading a comic book, how that would look. Yeah, exactly. And you just see it, like, shimmering across his eyes, and I was yeah. like, fuck, that's really cool. It did look, it did look really good. How did you, um, yeah, you know, going back to that motorcycle thing, it's like, of all the, of all the years that have a motorcycle chase scene, you do it the year that Mission Impossible Fallout gives us the best motorcycle chase scene that we've seen in years. <laughs> Like, and then you throw in drones and expect us to think that it's amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I laughed really hard when the drone army came out. I, I was, I was, was kind of like rolling my eyes, but I'm just like, fuck it. This movie is just bizarre anyway. Let's just go with it. <laughs> and then just watching the fun that Tom Hardy had as like, as, and you guys know I'm a sucker when a superhero loves his powers. And I, it, it, God damn it. It sucked me in here. Just hearing him go, woo, and having a great time. I'm just like. Oh. As fun as it was and how much fun he was having, didn't you look at it and just go, that looks fucking shit? <laughs> yes, I did. I did. I did. I oh, thought yeah. it, and I was, I kept wondering like why when the drones exploded, why was it such a big explosion? Yeah. <laughs> and why it was blue. Why fire? it was a blue fire <laughs> and why it was such, you think like if a drone like crashed into something, it would just be like a piece of plastic breaking. Yeah, dump. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a big recall after that whole like chase scene. Yeah. So they got new drones. These are these are these are Carlton Drake specialty militarized drones, I guess. I don't know. That yeah. grenade drones. Exactly. They explode upon impact. For me, man, this this, this movie is it is very similar to Justice League in my mind, in the fact that um I watched Justice League and I gave it a taste it on my first watch because it was uh, the story is dumb and there's bits of it which are terrible but there's bits of it that I I really enjoyed and I thought well I was like yeah yeah that doesn't it's so bad to say it's like oh that doesn't look too bad and and then I watched it again like on Blu-ray and then I just I just toss it I just it's a pile of shit and that is that's how I feel about this I just think if I watch it again I'm just gonna see like everything that's terrible about it and realize I know that it's a bad film even if it is fun 
but because the story is dumb and the exposition is <laughs> terrible and it you know it it doesn't follow the comics but if you take that away if the fact it doesn't follow the comics like the story is terrible some of the dialogue is dog shit some of the performances are awful the special effects are subpar and then that some of them are okay it's just like it, it's this it's, it's a Turd in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! It's, it, it, this is this is my my Justice League for Sony. It is that's that's exactly how I feel about it. That's all I can sum it up as. I kind of enjoyed mm. it whilst I was watching it, but I know if I go back and see it again, I'm just going to end up hating it. Oh, for me, this is like Justice League. I don't ever want to watch again. I can watch it on HBO right now, and I, I choose not to. Um, yeah. For me, Venom, I watched it a second time, and I had a great time the second time. I enjoyed myself just as much as I did the first time, separating it from the original source material and thinking about it in a contained Venom-only universe, and then also just kind of thinking of it as, like, if I were to come across this movie and it was called uh, Symbiote, do you guys notice how they changed uh, yes. get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they went crazy on the ADR on this one. Yes, they did. Uh, yeah, uh, Jenny Slate didn't call them symbiotes. They totally oh. changed it to symbiote. That was great that they listened. I thought it was, in a way, I was kind of like, good. Thank goodness you fucking, you did the right thing because symbiote just yeah. sounds stupid. So, yeah, agreed. But that was a smart move. If I, okay, hold on. If this movie was not released in theaters, and I was flipping around on Netflix, and I came across a movie called Symbiote. And they just referred – it was ne- this, and it was the same movie that we saw in the theater, and they never referred to Venom as Venom. He was just called The Symbiote, and they called Riot something else. And Eddie Brock had a completely different name. If everything was the same except you take out all the Marvel stuff as far as like names and uh, anything Marvel-related – and I got this movie on Netflix, I'd be like, oh my god, I watched the funniest sci-fi B-movie ever, (laughs) and I had a great time, and I had a great time. That's how I had to view this movie, Dan. Jake, that's how I had to view this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm I'm right there with you, and that's exactly why I'm tasting this movie instead of tossing it. Like I said, I could make fun of this movie forever, like there's so much to pick apart and make fun of, but yeah, it was a great time. And I think, like, like, you know, it was a stupid great time for even as like bad as you think the story is, Dan. I think that there was a lot of things that they did pay really careful, like just even even jokes that they set up. Like uh, you had Eddie Brock in the office uh, talking to his boss and his boss is talking about the beautiful view from the building. And Eddie says he's afraid of heights. Just a real quick line. And then later on, Venom tells him to jump out the window and we see him using the elevator, and Venom calls him a pussy, and I'm dying laughing in the theater. I'm sorry. It was fucking funny. Yeah, yeah I, I, I laughed I at laughed, that, too. I laughed as well, and then I suddenly realized that that was just Sony saving on a fucking budget so they didn't have to show him swinging through the city. <laughs> we saw him, that's like, hilarious. we saw him fly up the building, though. Like, yeah, saw- one, one time. Yeah, that's it. They were just they were saving. They were like, nah, we you are nitpicking. <laughs> you are nitpicking and not giving a joke its proper fucking recognition. Hey, that was a funny I, I, joke. 
the, my entire cinema, including me, laughed so damn hard at that joke. And I sat there and I let it sink in. And I was like, I'm never going to see him using the thwips going through the city, am I? This is terrible. Oh, we did see well, him. He can't shoot web yet, though, right? No, no, no. But he could use the symbiote like, yeah. limbs, can't he? Remember he was oh. using the symbiote when he crashed through those uh, that uh, those kids' apartment? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He can use that's ropes. True. I, yeah, this true. movie also reminded me, I don't know if either of you, Jake hasn't seen it yet. It was out in theaters. I don't know if you got to see it, Dan, when it was out in the theater, but Upgrade, the Logan Marshall Green movie. No, I never got to see it. It, it was a very, very limited run over here, and yeah. I, I missed it. This movie has a lot to do. It, it felt a little like Upgrade. Upgrade is a superior movie, uh, just story-wise, acting-wise. Upgrade is almost just like a... It's like a it's like a full motion picture of an episode of Black Mirror and it's just a it's an absolute Tupperware. But this movie like as soon as I saw the trailers for this I was kind of like man this you know is it going to feel too much like Upgrade but what separated this from Upgrade was just the comedy. I was not expecting the comedy and I think like that's what kind of worked for me here Jake is like I was going into this thinking that we were going to get the R-rated movie, you know, up until about a month and a half, two months ago when they said it was going to be PG-13. So I thought we were going to get a serious Venom PG-13 movie which I didn't think was going to work. They totally like you know, Ruben Fleischer, I should have known this, the, the guy directed Zombieland, a, a hilarious movie. And, mm-hmm. and and the next thing you know, like the He's also Ruben Fleischer and these writers, the Jumanji writers, which I loved the new Jumanji movie with Dwayne Johnson, saw it two times in theaters. I, uh, the comedy worked for me here. Funny is funny. It's fun. Me too. So, and I know I some comedy is subjective. Comedy, um, no, comedy is subjective. And I know some people went into this thing. They've got a bad taste in their mouth from the get go because this is not following the story of Spider-Man. So either the comedy didn't work for you because you're pissed off from the get or the comedy just didn't work for you because it's not your taste in comedy. But for me, it like hit those, it hit, it hit those, uh, hit, it hit those things. Like it, it worked for me. The comedy in this did work for me. So. Yeah, it did for me as well, dude. I, I, I laughed at like all the bits I was supposed to laugh at. It was that some parts of the script were very funny where it was supposed to be funny. I did find it funny. Uh, but there were just like moments like that where I just thought, uh, they've missed a trick here. It's like we're not. I'm not going to see this thing that, that I wanted to see. But the, the, you know, I found it very funny. Like the, the fucking uh, the scene in the restaurant was. Oh, oh my god! Was I was going to say hilarious. Yes, the only I was embarrassing myself during that. <laughs> me too. The only thing that was missing from that scene in the restaurant was John Belushi saying, "How much for the women?" You know, <laughs> it was that oh funny gosh. when he climbed in that lobster. Oh thing, my god. I was, I was laughing so hard. It was so funny to me. And, I, yeah, I agree. Most of the comedy worked for me. I mean, it was like eight out of ten jokes worked for sure. me. Um, I, I think I made a note of what I thought the dumbest joke of the whole movie was, and it was the uh, scene where he scares the roommate – or not the roommate, but the uh, next-door neighbor with the oh, Venom yeah, costume. Oh, yeah, that low, yeah. Yeah, I really rolled my eyes at that, and that did not get much of, much of a laugh out of me. It's like you've seen that joke in like basically every movie that has that kind of thing going on, right? It wasn't my favorite. I thought they they could have done it a little bit better, you know. Yeah, it was just like, oh, the mean guy answered the door, but I'm even meaner with my scary. The only yeah. I'm surprised that they didn't show like a trickle of urine go down his jeans. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, but 
that was very few and far between, like that kind of cheeky joke. And for the most part, I was just really yucking it up this entire movie. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a huge Tom Hardy fanboy. I love Tom Hardy. I think he's fantastic. And, um, you know, but if this was if this was just an abysmal performance by Tom Hardy going into this movie, I would let everybody know. I'd be like, man, he just didn't bring it. But I thought Tom Hardy put every bit of energy that he could into this, that he really gave some great performances here. Even his just even before he's Venom, even before the relationship with Venom, when he's doing the Brock report and he yeah. and he is interviewing uh Carlton Drake, I'm just like, I can see, I could actually see a whole movie with Tom Hardy playing this kind of like a reporter, like that just uncovers things and like, you know, tells the truth that he's like one of these truth and journalism guys. Like I can just 100% see him not even in a Venom movie, just playing a journalist going out there and uncovering the truth. He sold me that the, that was his career. That was his job. He's kind of like one of these vice reporters. I mean, I thought he did a fantastic job in every aspect of this film as far as like the, from the comedy, the physical comedy and, and, and just basically playing the role of Eddie Brock and Venom. And I thought, I don't know, how did you think, how did it work for you guys as far as like the relationship between Eddie and, uh, and Venom in this kind of like talking to each other and bouncing off one another? Yeah, I loved it. It was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. And knowing that it was Hardy that did those, did his own voice for that makes me like it even more. I kind of can't wait to see it a second time now. And, uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. The introduction of it was great. His reaction to hearing it for the first time was fantastic. Um, his facial expressions to what, you know, the Venom was saying to him was, was great. I, it was one of my favorite parts of the movie, honestly, was the interplay between the two characters. Mm. Yeah. Same here, man. It was it was brilliant, and it it's something that a lot of people don't know whether or not they haven't like read the right issues or they haven't read enough. That the, the symbiote does have a this weird sense of humor, yes. this weird dark sense of view. He's always Definitely. had it. He's always been, you know, like they like take out a mugger, and he will say like, "Okay, now we eat his brain," yeah. and then Eddie's like, "No, no, no, we're not like eating this guy's brain," and that is that's exactly well, and, what it's like. And then getting and and then and then giving the purse back to the woman that the mugger stole it from you know that's just yeah. another hilarious scene where yeah. she's just like looking at him in <laughs> awe and he's like cracking jokes and it's like this crazy flesh-eating alien is like talking to me and i don't know whether to be to thank him or just be terrified so yeah, yeah that's that's the thing it's like it this film it's a it's a it, a mess in far as far as like tone goes because the 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 humor works really well the relationship between tom hardy and venom works really well and i totally agree with you man he absolutely fucking killed this he made eddie brooke way more likable than i ever thought that mm. they would be able to do and they made venom incredibly funny and also kind of scary which was good but then when it like needed to go a little bit more like dark or serious like when he was eating people's heads and things like that yeah it would be like bang he's taking his head off and then it's done and and, and and there's no repercussions like right at the end of the film where he eats the guy's head after the turd in the wind line that woman what was her name mrs mrs chen, chen. and it's just chen she just he just like goes are you okay? No, what was that or something? And he just walks out. Normal Eddie Brock and goes, "Oh, I've got a parasite." 
And that's it. She's literally just in this guy that she's known for however long, changed into this enormous, like, fucking demon, essentially, eat a guy's head, and then walks out, and she's just like, what was that? And then that was I think, her only response. I think she's here for it, Dan. That guy had been harassing yeah. her multiple times. I agree. <laughs> she was down. <laughs> yeah, I think I so, think too. gives a shit. I do. I, I'm, I'm with Jake. And it's like, Dan, you're almost like saying, like, that's not how I think Mrs. Chen would react. That's correct. <laughs> well, she doesn't how, seem like a human at that point. How much? Well, how, how, how well do you know Mrs. Chen? Right, well, I know I know people quite well, and if that happened, there that's not the reaction. Hey, dude, it's honestly, insane. honestly, if something like that happened in front of me, I probably wouldn't say anything. <laughs> would, this, this is coming from the guy that has prepared himself for when he sees a ghost, so I have no doubt that you would react exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe Mrs. Chin has seen some shit. Maybe. Maybe, but that's that's what I mean. It's like it it it's all kind of it, it it a lot of the reactions to Venom don't make any sense, mm. and and the film is kind of it wants no, to it be was, funny, but, but it also wants to be kind of like scary at points, which it normally isn't. I think I think it's, it's a comedy, uh, Jake. I don't I don't know. I I think like you can take. Dan, Jake, I, I think you can take like, of course, number one, it's a comic book movie. But if you're looking at like the sub genre here, I'm saying I'm going with comedy first. Agreed. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, action yeah. comedy. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't. I didn't think that the Mrs. Chin scene was being played for horror at all. Well, no, it's, it's literally just her reaction. The, the, all this happened in front of her. The guy gets his heady, but doesn't this and then doesn't, she this, doesn't care? Doesn't this fit yeah. in with the stuff in the MCU? Like this is if this is their mission statement. Like, okay, I, I, we'll talk about the R rating later. I, you know, once we get done with everything here, I, I want to talk about the R rating, where that came from. I went back in my notes and I kind of found out like where did this all start. But I want to talk about that later. But like now that they're coming out and they're saying no, this is always intended to be PG thirteen, and we, we kind of made it to where like maybe it could cross over possibly and. And fit in with the tone of like the Spider-Man and the MCU and stuff like that. Like this fits with the MCU stuff. This is like nothing out of the ordinary. I don't feel like this movie was trying to be like, like 100% serious when you're talking about aliens coming from a comet that are named Venom and Riot. You know, I, and, no, of course. and I don't know. It's just like the reaction of Mrs. Chen in this movie where everybody is just giving kind of comical reactions throughout the entire film. I don't, I don't know. It, it, if, if this happened in an MCU movie, like in an Ant-Man film, like if there was an evil villain that, or, or a Guardians film and there was a reaction like that, I don't think we'd be complaining. But I feel like this is because it's Venom and I think like – I don't know. Does it have to do with like – with the expectation that we thought we were going to get an R-rated film and like Venom has to be like this dark, bloody, gory movie. And yes, that's what I wanted. I did. I did. And now I'm kind of like, I'm not backtracking on that. I would still love to see that. But like what I got here, I really, I don't know. It's so fucked up that I, I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> Dan, it's fucked Am I making sense? Like, because I feel like if that, if that scene played out in an MCU movie, people would just be like, oh, that's classic MCU humor. I mean, not, not for me because it, it goes back to it's not just mrs chen it's like even when like Anne sees full-on venom for like the first time which is after he's kind of dismantled the swat team she's seen the man that she was engaged to change into a fucking eight foot giant demon yeah 
Well, then you know this is. Are we got, are we going to bash then, Michelle Williams again, no, Jake? No, no, no. This was the script of the story. <laughs> he tears all these people to bits, throws them around, all the rest of it, and then she sees him like revert back into Eddie, and she goes, "Get in the car. We got to take you to the hospital." <laughs> it's like that's not a normal fucking reaction. If you're comparing it to Marvel, look at like and you're talking about Ant Man. Look at when Scott shrinks down in front of his friends for the first time. They absolutely freak the fuck out, and that guy is just shrinking down to nothing, not becoming a giant, huge tongued, shit, hundreds of teeth fucking demon thing in front of them. It's it, like that's that's the thing. Well, it's, if they were real friends, they would have wanted to take him to the hospital, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you have a problem. My God, that is that is true love right there, man. A woman that just saw you turn into like an eight-foot-tall alien monster with shark teeth, almost eat a guy's fucking head off, and then you turn back. You know, it's, it's almost like she would just viewed him as like the ultimate Snickers commercial. Like, you're not yourself until you eat your Snickers. And she's like, we got to get you to the hospital and get some fucking caramel peanuts and chocolate and nougat in you. I don't know, man. I just... I, I I see what you're saying. I can't argue that. I When I watched the movie, I'm not going to lie, I can't defend that. I can't even play devil's advocate. I did think it was a weird reaction. I did think it was weird that this guy basically – I thought his reaction was correct when he said, no, I can't go with you because he's worried about hurting her. Yeah. But I thought that she should have been terrified in that moment and been like, you know – Fuck this. Yeah, you at least have him explain to her, like, give two lines of dialogue, somewhat giving her the situation. And this has. That would even make the follow up scene when she has the suit herself even make more sense than two. Yeah, I want to talk about She Venom, but. Oh, yeah. And this has nothing to do with, like, uh, um, women being scared of a monster. Like,. I don't care who the fuck you are. You could be fucking uh, Hulk Hogan, Triple H, John Cena, Dave Batista. If you see that fucking thing in the street, you're running the other way. Yeah, you are running your ass off. It has nothing to <laughs> yeah. do. This it, has nothing to it, do not- with like being being a being a being a woman and being oh you know I, I I'm too scared to take my man my my you know my ex my ex love interest to the hospital to get him checked out. There's I, what is the treatment for that anyway? How do you explain that when you go to the doctor? Well, well yeah, they gave, him, is- they gave him an M- M- MRI, didn't they? <laughs> Yeah, Dr. Dan, Dr. Dan, give me MRI. This is worse than like portraying her as, as scared. They portray her as dumb. (laughs) You know, it's like, exactly like what Dan's saying. Like, what what are they, or what you're saying? What are they going to do with the hospital? Like, at least, if you're not going to portray her as scared, at least portray her as. Well, she was going to take, she was also going to take, well, she was getting ready to take him, not just to the hospital, but to take him to her current boyfriend and then put him in danger. And that's, yeah. what she, that's what she ended up doing. I'm surprised. Yeah, like, and, and everyone in the hospital as well. <laughs> oh, God, I mean, yeah. I mean, as far as, like, the whole she-venom thing goes, well, that's, an, that's another big problem as well. Because literally, like, she sees it happen. She's not scared. She wants to take him to the hospital. They see him freak out in the, in the like, the, the MRI machine room. This black ooze, this living black ooze comes out of his body and is all slopping all over the glass and things like that. And then five minutes later, she sees a dog in the corridor, which then 
takes her over, and then she's fine. And then she goes and helps him when he's about to get killed in the woods. Well, you left out yeah. the awesome kiss scene. Nope, that's straight after that bit. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like it, they they kind of like wanted to open it up to where like maybe in the next film he'll have somebody to talk to about the whole symbiote, you know? And they, and now she's now she's going to be like um, you know, like you know, like the man in the chair, like the like the hero always has the man in the chair that he can talk to about uh, you know, the whatever he's going through and like maybe that's kind of like what they set up here. I don't know. I, yeah, no, they, they, yeah. they set it up, but the, the reasons for the character doing all that stuff doesn't make any damn sense because she's taking him to the hospital. They realize that it's killing him because it's not feeding, and then it combines with her, and she's like, oh, yeah, I thought I'd take the suit back to you because but it's Was she really you. in control, though, when the symbiote well, is taking over her at that well, point? Half and, half and half, but you would think I would give Michelle Williams a little bit more... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Props that she would be a strong-willed woman and wouldn't want to give the uh, thing that's killing her ex-fiance back. You know, it's like it, it doesn't make any sense for the character. It's like all this this flip-flopping as far as the story goes. Yeah, it's, it's I, just it's just stuff done yeah. that doesn't make any sense for the character just to move the story along. It's that's well, that's why I get it's it. bad. I can't argue that. I can't because there, there's nothing in the movie that's going to prove prove you wrong when it comes to that i kind of took it <laughs> no there's nothing that they didn't give us anything in the movie to, i just took it as like once she bonded with it there was an understanding and there was a symbiotic relationship between her and she knew what was going on she knew what was going on in her body with the symbiote and that she knew that the symbiote there was they're in the symbiotic relationship and she knew the symbiote is going to help Eddie. Eddie's already gonna die. They're taking it. Fucking, we've got uh, Billy Corgan Hitman taking him out into the woods <laughs> and nice. getting re- getting ready to shoot him in the head. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, th- the only way to keep him alive is she has to be she Venom, and she has to go out there and she has to she has to save him. They then they have the kiss, and then the symbiote's back in him. That's one of the cool things. Like when this movie first started, and we saw um, the riot. Uh, symbiote bond with that woman in Malaysia, that EMT, and she's all, you know, like when the when the fucking truck flipped and everything, and she's all like battered and broken, and she's got she's walking, and her fucking bone is hanging out of her shin, her yeah. shin bone is just clanking with the bone, and she's just walking, and then all of a sudden it healed. I'm like, oh my god, if I have to see shit like that this whole movie, I regret wanting it to be gory. I was just like, Ugh. but um, I thought it was really cool. I really did think it was cool. I thought it was awesome. And then yeah, that was cool. I did like that it. Was, that was great. Yeah. I loved it. I did like, I have a thing with, I have a thing with bones sticking out of the body. It kind of grosses me out. I, you know, like oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, it just, that's one of those things that gross me out. But like when it happened, I was just like, damn, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing that. And then like, I was just like, oh my God, this is going to be pretty fucking gory. And, um, I was really impressed by that scene. And then, and then later when it started to heal Eddie, I thought that that was pretty badass when he, right before, oh, yeah, after the motorcycle. Yeah, crash. like right when, uh, right when he's getting ready to lick, uh, Hitman Billy Corgan's face. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, that, that, that's the thing, man. It's, it's like, there's, there's moments and scenes in this movie which are genuinely very, very good. Yeah. And it is literally just like the story and like, it is mainly the story beats which are the big problem that don't make any sense for the characters because like if 
say if um if Anne's character was kind of like swayed you know and we got to see that mm-hmm. that you know that she but again doesn't make any fucking sense of what that happened earlier because Isaac got killed within three seconds of having the symbiote in, in him oh look Anne's a perfect but that was that, well. was that was a different symbiote this was Venom and Venom's different they tried to let us know that Venom is actually different from the other symbiotes all the other symbiotes were just like we want to come here and eat and feast and they had their alpha which was uh, Riot for uh, this team and alpha, uh, he's like the alpha symbiote and Venom was the beta symbiote and Venom does things differently. And I, I feel yeah, like that's not, the big difference here. On a biological here. level though, they've actually, they, they said that at the beginning. They're like, no, it, it has to be a perfect host. But Venom, it has to be a perfect host. Venom contradicted deal about it. Venom contradicted that. Venom contradicted oh, how that. convenient. <laughs> Venom contradicted that. I, I'm just saying, like, oh, how much, okay, uh, like, uh, they, they can say science shit, but it doesn't mean they're right. Because, like, Venom basically said, like, I can heal you. That's not true. I can heal you. And blah, 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 blah. And it's like, at that point, we're not sure if we can believe him or not. But on the flip side, like, Venom basically tells Brock the rules, you know, like, yeah, I need to feed. I need to fucking feed, but, you know, you know, and, and yeah, if you don't feed like- me, I will start to eat your liver. <laughs> But, yeah, but the only but, rules yeah. that are concrete are the rules that Venom says. Yes. Yeah, but also that's that's a problem with the film because we're not told that as the audience. All we're told is that if the host isn't perfect out of these however many fucking hundreds of rabbits and how many people that they've blown up, if the host isn't perfect, the symbiote will kill the host. That's what we've been told as an audience, and that's a fucking storytelling problem. Yeah, the, that's that's, that might with, be the truth with the other symbiotes, but Venom is completely different, and he's is basically kind of the ignoring that whole science and it it's almost like we get to see kind of like the humanity in Venom because he starts to actually like he says he likes Anne and then he says he likes Brock he's starting to like Eddie and so I feel like he makes it work. He he fucking life finds a way. Not to quote Doctor <laughs> Ian Malcolm. And I, I also I also kind of think maybe the suits don't want all the examples that we see where the suit kills the thing in yeah. three seconds. Like the suit is smarter than that. It doesn't want the fucking bunny rabbit, and it doesn't want the fucking method. right. Except for so, the one. That, so f- except for the one that did want the bunny rabbit. Except for that one. <laughs> yeah. <And> yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Jake. <laughs> you, can't, you can't pick and choose what you've been given in the story. It doesn't yeah. make any damn sense. You can't, it, it, everything that you're saying, Brian, is what you've made up in your head. It's not in the film. And I'm going. No, I am. Co- problem. There's some of it that I that I am quoting Venom. I'm quoting Venom. Venom. Venom did say that you know he can heal him. He has like it's up to him. I feel like I felt like from Venom's. From where Venom was coming from, it was his choice. Like, this is like, if this is the Sadie Hawkins Day dance, it's Venom's choice, and he wants to dance with Eddie. (laughs) And and everything else that he goes into. That's basically what I got out of it. And I I felt like it was the, it was Symbiote's choice. It was the powers he gets from being the runt. Maybe that's, since he's the runt of the the Symbiote, he, he can't just. Not he doesn't blow anything up in three seconds. Jake, I, no, I liked what you said. Like Jake, I liked what you said. Like, why the fuck would? Yeah, this is a tough one to argue. I may watch the movie again and be I like, just, "Fuck, damn, was right." Stupid science, though. And if you're gonna get hung up on stupid science, yeah. and watching this movie. 
then you just don't like this movie. Again, it's not stupid science. All of it is stupid science. It's bad storytelling is what it is. Like I said earlier, it's just bad storytelling. You can't tell me a quote-unquote fact about what, you know, the biology of this creature is or all these creatures are and then completely go against it ten minutes later. It doesn't make any damn sense. I don't see where you get these hard and fast concrete rules, though. From that's, that's- from Brazil Med's character and all of the other hosts that died and them saying that it has to be a perfect host. Yeah, but it see, the thing is, like, 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 like they it's threw an alien these... life form that they're for the, experimenting on for the first time. Oh, How we've, are these rules so hard and fast? Yeah, yeah, we've had these, we've had these alien symbiotes for fucking three hours. We know everything about them now. Yeah, exactly. And you're saying that, and that is exactly what you've been told in the film. It's not... It's not something that I'm reading into this. It's something that is in the movie, and they have uh, yeah, no answers uh, for it. It's but, bad storytelling. But for me and Jake's point, <laughs> but for me and Jake's point of view, it's like we're not going to listen to the scientist. We're going to listen to actually like what Venom is saying. And I felt like the hosts were actually just kind of like looking for like the like the alpha version of like what they wanted to 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 be in. And I felt like Riot, like part of his like part of his personality was basically he's a killer and so like riot would jump from person to person but before he left him he'd make sure that he killed him you know that's just in his personality and like but on the flip side like like uh venom who started to become started to get more humanity here he actually started to like he liked Anne, he liked he liked uh eddie and i don't know i felt like it was symbiote's choice i i i felt like they didn't it, it didn't have yeah. anything to do with biology at that point it really just had to do with like the symbiote can bond with whoever it wants to and make like why would the symbiote like I, what jake said like why would the symbiote be like yes i'm gonna bond with meth head jesus here that's like <laughs> you know yeah yeah, but yeah. Jake said, "Why would he bond with the? Why would they want to bond with the rabbit? Except for the rabbit that it actually bonded with." Well, exactly. that was the first it's, thing it was introduced to. That yeah, symbiote. Yeah, precisely. Out of all those hundreds of rabbits, so they, that one was the special one that it had the special bond with. It, it was maybe, the, it was maybe, the, maybe, maybe the scientists got their read wrong. Maybe that's when I mean the symbiotes yeah. are super smart, and maybe at that point they're like, "Well, I don't know." Fucking up all these bunnies ain't doing me no good. Let's just, <laughs> hey, hey, let's just agree. I might as well just stop this and just, just be a goddamn bunny. That's all they're going to give me. Let's just, no, let's just agree. And it's, look, it worked. <laughs> let's just agree. Can we just agree that it is, that it is stupid science? The rules aren't set and Dan shouldn't be taking it as seriously as he is. Yeah, no, I agree. You yeah. That, but you could also give me a little bit of props to say that it's bad storytelling because it is. I don't, when you say bad storytelling, you make me think it's like movie breaking. And that's, to me, that's, it's not movie breaking at all because it's stupid science. Yeah. The rules aren't hard and bad. Jake, is this, and like, is this, things aren't confirmed. It, it doesn't like, I'm not like, ah, I'm completely out of the movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Dan, <laughs> Dan. A moment ago. If we were, if we were doing a review on a movie called like Interstellar with Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Great film. Exactly. Well, it's okay. Um, but <laughs> it's okay. But if we were doing that, like, I could understand, like, if, if we wanted to get into, like, the, the science and stuff like that, cause, like, that's a big part of it. But this is just a big, dumb comic book movie. You know? I mean, when yeah. it comes down to it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And all I'm saying is that what we saw as evidence in the, in the script writing and in the story doesn't make any sense to what happened to the dog. It doesn't make what sense, any sense what happened to Anne. Mm-hmm. And Anne also completely changed her mind within about, I'm going to guess about six hours 
of her going from the hospital to helping Eddie. It's it's yeah. against the character and it's against the plot of the film that's been told. No, movies give us wrong evidence all the time. And when a, it, it, as a plot device, you give the wrong evidence. So when the other thing happens, it's even that much more like miraculous. You know, it's that's like all kinds of, especially science fiction and fantasy movies work that way. Here's how the thing works, and then. What do you know? The next thing you know, that rule's been completely broken. And in a lot of movies, that's like the genesis or the plot of the movie, that this, like, stupid science hard and fast rule has been broken by someone or something for the first time. You Dan, know? I guess like, Dan I just wanted the – Dan wanted the movie to tell us that that's what happened here. It's like they were wrong and, like – Here's your evidence. The movie doesn't actually just reveal that. Like, we're making well, that, this that stuff up. That would have up. made a lot of sense if they'd actually done that. If they'd actually had that bit of exposition after they have the kiss, Venom Okay, goes back Dan, would, they, would <laughs> any of this... Hold on, Dan. No motherfucker. Dan. <laughs> it would make sense. That would be better. Would any of this have made... I'm asking, and I'm asking seriously. Would any of this, if they would have done some of these things... Would any of this kind of affected your rating? Would it have raised it possibly even to a tasted? Yeah, of course, man. If if they had taken out a lot of the kind of the the, the, the terrible like the script and story beats that made no bloody sense to make it such a dumb film, yeah, of course it would. Wow, wow, wow! So <laughs> aggressive. No, like if if Dan, if you were if, if I was a symbiote, I would reject you, and you would. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't even give you the chance. Oh, oh. <laughs> so you're saying you're definitely not Michelle Williams, then, right? No. <laughs> I'm I'm one of the 99 bunnies, clearly. All right, fair enough. Oh man, can I can I give a really quick aside? When we um yeah. went to the movie, they handed us a free exclusive AMC Venom comic book. Yeah, Did you guys get this at all? They had them there, and I didn't get one. It was uh wasn't was it the prequel comic? Yeah, it was yeah. the prequel, and some of it took place in the movie because they actually had a person warning each of us as they gave it to us not to read the comic before the movie as there were spoilers in the comic book. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty funny that they were it's, going through that. It's basically like the first kind of third of the movie, isn't it? It goes through the motorcycle chase and all that sort of stuff, ends on him changing into full-blown Venom. Is that the one you're talking about? Exactly, but then it strangely hard cuts to the She-Venom kissing scene. Oh, wow. They show really? that in the comic? Yeah, there's there's like three pages of it. And like, there's a big page, like, almost classic Rob Leefield style, where it's like, and then later, and it's like one entire black page that says that. Oh, wow. And then, like, hard... <laughs> And then, like, hard cuts right to the uh, She-Venom kissing scene. And I was just like, this is bizarre. And, like, I couldn't help but look at it when they told me not to look at it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was 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 She-Venom strangely attractive? Uh, it didn't do much for me. Maybe, yes. maybe if it looked more real. Yes, attractive. Totally, yeah, I'm right there with you, Dan. It was, it was strangely attracted to, to to she venom. That was wow. I don't yeah, know. No, and same in the comics as well. She's hot. Yeah, yeah, hot. <laughs> yeah. Hotter in the comics than in the movie. Yeah, but, but it was it was really cool to see she venom. It was. It was awesome. It was. Cool. That was that was a very nice tip of the hat. I, yeah. I did enjoy it. If the reasons didn't make sense to me, fair play. It was great to see her on screen. <laughs> <laughs> God damn you, Dan. She ate a dude's head. She ate yeah. Billy Corgan's head. No, honestly, Dan, it's like that's what I love about having uh, this episode with you on. I, we don't reveal our ratings to one another before we record. 
And I didn't know what any of you thought about this movie. I had my rating made up. This was a tough one for me to rate. And, um, because I knew what I was going to come into after this. Like, people are, like, going to be like, you gave it a high taste of what the fuck is wrong with you. You're as dumb as Michelle Williams in this movie. And <laughs> I, you know, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for that. I'm totally 100% ready for that. But I, I got to be honest. But I love the fact that we can have these discussions and, like, kind of, like, you know, get on each other about, like, what we got out of this movie and... And I love the fact that, uh, that you didn't like all this stuff and like, and, and it's all subjective. It's the way you saw the movie. I think I am a little bit more forgiving because of such like the kind of like the fun experience I had once I just kind of realized like, I'm not going to get the Venom movie that I want. This is what they're giving me. And this is just a dumb, funny, alien symbiote movie that really has nothing to do nothing to do with spider-man at all and so no no. (laughs) and so once i kind of like realized that and separated myself from it i was just like i'm i'm in for the ride and i am i am hooping and hollering just like eddie brock on that goddamn motorcycle when drones are exploding (laughs) you know so it's like yeah oh yeah Oh yeah. Well, yeah. sometimes it was Eddie. Sometimes it was clearly a stunt double. Yeah. It, this is. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, the stunt that, double was funny. That was yeah. worse than the yeah. fucking um, the jump in Terminator Two, where the stunt double comes off of the that real high rise bit in uh-huh, like the dam, uh-huh. and and like you can see that it's it, it, the guy looks like Arnie, but yeah. he doesn't quite look enough like Arnie. <laughs> this motherfucker didn't look anything <laughs> like Tom Hardy. Do you, hey, did even have the same goddamn hair as the guy. <laughs> Dan, when when they re-released Terminator 2 Judgment Day in 3D in the theaters uh, last year, mm-hmm. they totally superimposed uh, and with CGI graphics Arnold's face over that stunt guy. Did it look better? It looked 100% better. It was incredible. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking like... Hard to look worse. I'm thinking to myself like, why did they not do that in this movie you know like if if you know that you can do that why not do that here it it was a little bit of laziness on their part then yeah there's so much of that kind of post-production work already going on there's already like vfx going on in these shots like why wouldn't you just add that in too have you guys seen i tanya Yes. No, I have not. They, it's I, I believe it's on Hulu. Watch it, one hundred percent Tupperware. It's a fantastic movie. But totally agree, amazing film. They get a real figure skater to do the moves out on the ice, and then they CG in Margot Robbie's face over it, and it looks I, it looks pretty seamless. Every once in a while, you can kind of see the seams, but it looks pretty damn good. And it's like, you know, like. If they can do that in kind of like just, you know, like one of these Oscar contenders, they can do that, which is, you know, when you think about I, Tanya, you're not thinking of a CGI heavy movie, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you have a movie that's CGI heavy already and you're going to put as much detail as you did in like the symbiote battle, like why can't you do that for the stunt guys? 
Yeah, it was weird. I think someone just forgot and no one picked it up. They're like, oh, there's Steve riding the bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's leave it in. His, his kids will appreciate it. <laughs> it was like, oh, we'll just give him like, you know, three seconds of him riding down the pavement with all the explosions going yeah. on. His long hair flapping in the wind. <laughs> his long hair. <laughs> it was. It was it no, dude. Anything like it. it was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that was amazing. Oh yeah, but yeah, seriously, this is I. This is a great podcast. I'm really, I respect your opinion, Dan. Yeah. I'm loving trying to figure out like dumb pseudoscience answers to your. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> no, of course, but you're like, you know, like fucking hell. If I live next to you guys, no. we would do this, and then yeah. we'll be down the bar the next day, fucking drinking beers and talking about it together. It's, the the weird thing know. is though, with this is like I I like I start to disagree with you, and here are my reasons, and then I run into brick walls. The brick walls of why Dan is right, and then and, and then I yeah. there's there is so many Swiss cheese potholes in this movie. Yeah. I mean this this movie like you know it needs road construction forever to fill all the fucking potholes in this fucking movie. Like it, no one's denying that it is a dumb fucking movie. Yeah, but I mean fun is fun. Yeah, and I think we've we've said it a million times before when when you have fun you're just. I'm just less forgiving of shit, man. Like, or more forgiving of shit, you know? It's Dan, like, this movie, uh, can, Dan, Jake, this movie is like having sex with Megan Fox. <laughs> right? I mean. Are you going to talk about her thumbs? No, no, no. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's amazing while it's happening. Right? But once it's over, you're just kind of like. What do we talk about? <laughs> oh my god, look at your thumbs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey guys, if you, if you have no idea what we're talking about, Google Megan Fox's thumbs and then you'll yeah, know exactly. It'll be the first hit on Google. <laughs> it'll be the first hit on Google, absolutely. Yeah, just type in Megan Fox, the next word will be thumbs. <laughs> and then after that, if you need another laugh, type in Megan Fox and Steve Buscemi. When Megan Fox was a little girl, she looked like Steve Buscemi as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! God, it's I'm a, do that straight it's, after this. It's hilarious. So check that out. But uh, let's hey, let's take a quick break. I want to I want to come back. I want to get like final thoughts and some maybe things that we missed and think about some of the th- scenes that you wanted to talk about. And of course, I want to talk about the mid credits scene. And then I want to end it on some other things. But um, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Cool. Awesome. All right, hey, we are back. You know, Dan, I actually, I just want to thank you because I know I, I'm, I'm, I, I love it when we all have different opinions on something. And I know we were kind of talking about this before, but you are right now the voice of the people that did not like this movie. And I feel like sometimes in some of our reviews, and mm-hmm. I, I'll throw these out there, for example, but Star Wars, where we review a Star Wars movie and we have glowing reviews of the Star Wars movie and then we find out that a lot of people don't agree with like how we felt about the film. <laughs> it's no, it, it's it's nice for the listener to to be I'm glad that you are here to represent that the the camp of listeners that watched Venom and and did not enjoy it. Well, thank you very much. Um I'm all, I was just saying to Jake on break, I'm actually really happy that we have this split like of ratings because it actually shows what everyone else is feeling you know mm-hmm. like the 400 yeah. people that we have on the page yeah this is this is a broad spectrum of people that like people have some people fucking tupperware this film some people toss it and yeah. then 
you know, like in the middle. There's more people in the middle, like in the high taste it to low taste it section. So the fact that we all gave it low taste it, taste it, high taste it, I think that's 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 pretty damn cool. We've got a lot of represent representation on this one, so pretty, it's going to be fun. Pretty incredible. I I don't know about you. I went uh, when I went and saw um, the uh, the Venom in 3D. They gave me the 3D trailer for uh, Captain Marvel. Oh neat! Oh, How yeah. was that? It was pretty. It was pretty awesome. Uh, and they, I didn't even get that in two D. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, in the three D, they also gave me the Shazam trailer. And oh, awesome! That was awesome. And then also, uh, but when I saw it in Dolby Atmos, they showed the Aquaman trailer in Dolby Atmos, and that yeah. was absolutely incredible. Um, both times when I went, I got to see the Split trailer, and that movie, for as much as I did not enjoy Split, uh, not Split trailer, but the Glass trailer, but yes. for as much as I didn't enjoy Split, um, and I know a lot of people loved that movie, Jake included, I... Man, I every time I watch this trailer for Glass, I am just more and more excited for this movie. I think it looks tremendous. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I think it's a great trailer. Um, it, it looks really interesting. I'm really curious to see how much time um, the Bruce Willis character gets. I kind of think maybe he doesn't won't even get that much time. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be one of those things. Yeah, we're gonna get back to Venom here in a second. But like, <laughs> I know, yeah. um, but it's one of those things where, like, I feel like in, it's gonna come down to like, it's the, are the villains gonna team up? And of course, I, everybody wants to see that heavyweight bout between the Beast and uh, and Bruce Willis's character. We all want to see them two fight. You know, that's what that's I feel like that's what he was made for was to be he is like the protector, the hero to fight the beast. So, yeah, yeah the I, final the final oh go ahead. Oh, I I I'm sort of in the camp of I enjoyed Split. I wouldn't say it was amazing, but mm-hmm. I did quite enjoy it. I don't hate it sure. by any means, but Unbreakable is one of my it's one of the movies that actually got me into liking movies as much as I do. Mm. Um, I fucking love that film. Yes. So every time I watch the Glass trailer, I, I'm really excited, but I'm also terrified at the same time, man, because, you know, M. Night has not had a good fucking run over mm-hmm. the last sort of, what, like, eight, 15 10, years. <laughs> 10 years yeah. like that. So, it, you know, it, but, and that's the thing, I don't want him to bring Bruce Willis into this movie or at least his character into it and just totally fuck it up because I love yeah. Unbreakable so and, much. I, I, and I know a lot of people aren't, you know, uh, you know, uh, they, they aren't loving this guy right now, but Norm MacDonald, I watched the Norm MacDonald um, uh, episode where uh, the of the Norm MacDonald show. Norm MacDonald has a show on Netflix and he had M. Night on. And what was interesting about that interview and I believe M. Knight when he says this, he said that those years he was raising his kids. And so he was basically making a lot of movies to kind of like fit in with like how he was feeling as he was raising his kid. That's why he did like Avatar, the airbender and, and that stuff. And, and, uh, now that the kids are out of the house and they're all grown up, 
he's ready to get back to it. He's ready to, he, he's got that edge again. So I'm hoping that, that that's, that's what we're going to get here. And like, I know a lot of people, he did, he was involved, highly involved in the, the wayward pines with the, the Duffer brothers, the Matt Dillon series. And I know that a lot of people like that. So, and a lot mm-hmm. of people like split. So if you haven't watched that interview, and I know if, if you're not a, if you don't like Norm Macdonald, I totally understand. I don't agree with what he said. It's 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 stupid. It's terrible what he said. But that that interview that Norm had with M Night Shyamalan was pretty cool. I I, I, I it was really it, cool to hear M Night. And if you if, after you watch that interview with M Night Shyamalan, if you don't think that this guy was destined to be a director, you're out of your mind. It's like. It's in his blood. It's in his blood. His, he comes from a family that's like, you know, doctors and lawyers and like that, that's what they thought that he was going to go to medical school and, and do all these things. But like it was in his blood to be a director and a storyteller. And, um, I'm, I'm hoping that we haven't seen like, like the last of like great M. Night Shyamalan. Cause like back in 1999, there were like, there, there were some good movies that came out, but like, so the sixth sense and the matrix were like the two big takeaways from that, from that year for me. And you know, the Wachowskis and like M night Shyamalan, that's kind of like at the end of that decade, that's kind of like where they blew up. And like, you know, we, we, uh, unbreakable came out and I don't, and you know, he just, he was just, he was incredible. So yeah. Yeah. 99 was a great year for movies. I have fight club was that year too. Fight club was that year. Yes. Oh my God. That movie's incredible. So yeah. Venom. <laughs> any final thoughts on like any any scenes in Venom? Any last thoughts that you want? I just want to. I just kind of like want to reiterate my love for like one of the quirkiest and weirdest scenes that could have like been terrible if anybody else would have been doing it. But the restaurant scene, nobody but Tom Hardy, in my opinion, could pull that off. I died laughing when he when he grabbed that lobster and just <laughs> ate it and then said and then we hear it's dead and then he just throws it <laughs> I, I, I was laughing hysterically like this should not be in a Venom movie it should not ever be in a Venom movie it should not work at all in any film for that matter and yet it worked and I loved it and I thought it was hysterical so no, I agree, man. It's uh, like Jake was saying earlier. Like the first time you ever hear Venom's voice, he just goes food. He just says food. That's all he says. Yeah, it's like horrible, yeah. like reverb. That deep reverb they put on his voice. And Tom Hardy, just his reaction is so good. He's just like, oh, it's just like turns around and just like looking behind him and it's just like, what the fuck was that and then oh, it just escalates from there that again like so what I was just saying earlier on break is this movie is there's so many good bits of it uh, and if they kind of worked out the kind of like the plot points that I had a problem with and you know some other things it would it would be way higher in my mm-hmm. ratings because the bits that are good are really really good and they're not like exactly like the comic but they've got that same kind of like heart that's they they understand the character and everything so Mm -hmm. the whole like you know the conversations that he has like the scene in the fucking flat where he's like putting his arms up putting his arms down yeah and uh and like you know venom's like basically says let me take care of this 
and then he like destroys all those guys. It, the only reason that didn't work for me is because the special effects were so bad. But the actual like intention and the the like the the, the kind of like body language and the mocap and everything that Tom Hardy did was amazing. Like just like you know flipping off the floor and things like that, and sort of coming up off the floor. Obviously, like on wires in the studio, but like just kind of like levitating and like the symbiote taking over his body. So fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. It, it reminded me like very like almost Bruce Campbellish, like Evil Dead kind of stuff, you know, with <laughs> yes. the, like, the yeah. hand is taking over and kind of dragging yeah. him around. Like it had that kind of physical comedy aspect to it. And yeah, I thought Hardy just like, oh man, he, he took as much from this as he could. Yes. And, I really applaud him for it. Like, I, I agree with Brian, and I'm not the biggest, I don't dislike Tom Hardy by any means, but, you know, I'm not the biggest guy sold on him as, you know, be all end all, but I, no one else could have done this, I don't think. I no. can't think of a single actor that could have no. made so much out of almost so little, you know? What I love about Tom Hardy is I feel like, I, I do feel like Tom Hardy is one of these guys, he really takes the craft seriously. He really takes the craft seriously. Um, but he's not always like throwing it in your face. Like I'm a method actor. I'm a, you know, if you have to say it so many times, you know, it kind of takes away from the specialness of it. He just, yeah. he just does it. And yeah, I was blown away. I don't know yeah. if it's sacrilege to say, but I almost thought it was Chaplin-esque too. Like Ooh. when you were listing off the three actors that he was inspired from, I was yeah. like wondering if that would be one of them just from the performance he delivered here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the way he uses the physical, the physical comedy. Yeah, exa yeah. exactly. Yeah. It was just amazing. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I 100% agree. I'm surprised that he didn't mention Chaplin. That's, yeah, good point, Jake. Um, any final thoughts before we get into, I want to jump into our mid credit scene here. Oh, I cannot wait to talk about this part. Okay. <laughs> I guess that answers our question. We're jumping into the, jumping into the mid credits. I forgot scene. what I was going to say as soon as you said we're talking about that now. I didn't know if it was Woody Harrelson or Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. This was fucking – if I could isolate this mid credit sequence, this was a giant toss-it. Oh, man. Do you think – okay, so – going straight into it. We can, we can, we can all agree that – Woody Harrelson is doing this because of his relationship with Ruben Fleischer and doing Zombieland, right? Would you imagine? Mu it must be. Yeah. There's no other fucking reason why he would play this character like this yeah. or especially looking like this. The worst, <laughs> the worst part of it was the fact at the end where he said he's going to bring carnage. And I was, I was, oh, yeah, that, 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 that oh man, it's I was waiting. That's the, there were so many bad parts, but that was the worst part. I was waiting for like Peter Griffin to like stand up in my theater and say, eh, he said the name of the movie, you know, or like, like the name of the villain, you know, there was just, none of it made any fucking sense whatsoever. Yeah. Like for a movie that spent two hours pissing off giant fans of the source material. Yeah. Then when they do this, like nudge nudge wink wink shit that only those people can fully comprehend right just really fucking irritates the shit out of me <laughs> like <laughs> there was no exposition whatsoever to like why tom hardy was even here in the fucking first place. they did uh, it was it was when he was talking but they should have done a lot more earlier in the movie to set this up it was when he was sitting down talking to ann and he said he scored kind of like this interview and she's gonna have to wait just like everybody else to see who he's talking to and basically he's talking to like this famous serial killer kind of like charles manson in this universe and 
that was like the big setup for this. It felt like it was even, and, and, and they could, Jake, they could have done it better, right? Because like we knew early on that Woody Harrelson had been cast as Cletus Cassidy. That was the big rumor. Like we found yeah. out about this like a, over a year ago. This is not like it was like a secret. It wasn't like, you know. Yeah, and he looks stupid as fuck. I'm he actually did. gonna backtrack. <laughs> I'm actually gonna backtrack and say that the Carnage line was cooler than the way Woody Harrelson looked as this character. He, uh, can he, we take a quick pause? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. We're back. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> what what else do we have to say about this whole uh, Cletus Cassidy scene? He I just, fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really bad for, for the fans. I, I personally fucking hate Carnage. Like, I, it just always made me mad that it, like, heroized vil- Venom so fast. Like, I'm not so against Venom eventually being a hero, but when reading the comics, I always thought that next step just always came too fast. Like, okay, this one's more evil and more sinister, mm-hmm. so now Spider-Man and Venom have to team up to beat him. Always annoyed me. So I always kind of resented Carnage for that reason. Yeah. But even if I think subjectively about it, like I, or objectively about it, I feel like this has to piss off Carnage fans, right? This looks absolutely terrible. And I mean, maybe Woody's gonna, I mean, and maybe it's like a Gollum from Fellowship to Two Towers thing where they radically change the look and make it cool between movies somehow. But man, if this is what we're looking for in Venom 2 is Woody Harrelson hamming it up as this version of Cletus Cassidy, uh, hard pass. Damn. Yeah. Uh, no, I totally agree, man. It's, um, I- I'm a huge um, Zombieland fan. I absolutely fucking love that film. But I do not understand what Ruben Fleischer was thinking of when he did this. Uh, it if you had Woody with like a shaved head yes. and then maybe like sort of give him, you know, like a paler complexion with like some freckles and stuff to denote that he was a redhead, do that. Yeah. But when you saw him and he had that stupid fucking wig <laughs> on, it's what that is a fucking carrot top like locked in a cell it was absolutely fucking ridiculous and i i love woody harrelson i yeah. think he's a fantastic actor but he was hamming it up like he wouldn't believe but i honestly believe that a lot of that has to do with what he was like his script and like jake was saying man like the, the it's gonna be carnage like it's like if you're gonna do a post-credit scene at least kind of like allude to something maybe have him like in shadow like in a fucking solitary confinement um thing don't show the ridiculous wig in that like stark light like show him in darkness in shadow just have the silhouette right something that doesn't make it look not crap because, <laughs> because because that's all it was i just looked at him i was like okay so he's wearing contacts that you could see very plainly and then, but that fucking hair, it was, yeah. it was just laughably it bad. It wasn't, it, okay, here's the thing, here's the thing for me, is like, okay, first off, going into that room, we know that Eddie Brock has venom within him, so he's not scared. So if you show us something silly, it's not gonna scare us at all. I mean, it, that's what didn't, number one, the look of, you know, Cletus Cassidy, Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy just looked ridiculous. It was laughable, right? I mean, it was just terrible. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, just like the whole setting of it is like, 
you have you have Tom Hardy going in to see like a this is not like Katie Couric gonna interview Charles Manson. This is like a fucking guy who's infected with a a symbiote that can like kill anybody and he's going in there talking to a serial killer. It doesn't matter that he's talking to like a, a serial killer, this crazy guy. It doesn't matter because he, he's got, he's got a serial killer within him that can bite off a serial killer's head. It doesn't mean anything. So yeah, if exactly. If, there's no threat. There's no threat. There's, exactly. There's, there's nothing to that scene. There's not, they, they literally put yes. it in just that it was like, yes. it was like the Deadpool thing of where he said, Oh yeah, by the way, next movie, we're going to have cable. And <laughs> it's like everyone, everyone sort of went, yay, like that. But yeah. that, it was a fucking Deadpool movie. Exactly. In this way, it was supposed to be like a kind of serious ish scene, possibly, in this right. like funny action comedy horror movie. It, there was just nothing there. But okay, just, okay, just okay, just this scene, we, we can all agree that, that it was terrible. I think yeah. most people can agree that it was terrible. I'm sure some of pe- some people might say, "Oh, it caught me off guard, and we're gonna get we're gonna get Carnage in the next movie." I'm a casual fan. I didn't know that, you know, Woody Harrelson was cast as Carnage, and you know, I haven't been following. Or not not just a casual fan, or just not. I'm yeah, that that sounded wrong. People that don't keep up with this stuff because they like to be surprised and shocked. And yeah, so, sure. so some people were just like, ah, maybe that scene didn't look so great, but wow, we're going to get Carnage in the next movie and that's exciting. And I love Woody Harrelson. So, so we don't know what he can do with the role in the next movie. And I think you've kind of already established that Dan, like we don't know he could, it, he could do a, a good job in the next movie, but like it just didn't work here in the way that they presented it. And I, if I go back to one of the earlier rumors before it was official that Woody Harrelson was cast as Cletus Cassidy, I remember that Jackie Earl Haley, who played Rorschach, who also, you know, he expressed interest in playing Cletus Cassidy. And I honestly feel like had we gotten him at the end of this, it wouldn't have looked so cheesy and so corny and so comical and just stupid it, it would have looked i think that he would have pulled it off legit yeah I, it would have been better i agree i always thought as i never thought of, of cletus as being that old too and i think that kind of added to the humor aspect of it the unintentional humor aspect of it was you know just seeing it was like has been carnage yeah, like it just ugh, it did not get me excited at all, and it was just such a miscasting of Woody Harrelson, who is someone I normally just love. Yeah, oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, it's 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 just so I don't know, man. I don't know if they misread it or if they're just kind of hung up on like Woody and Natural Born Killers or something like that, you know? Because he was incredible in that movie, and that movie is amazing. And they thought, oh yeah, we'll get Woody in because, you know, he's, he did natural born killers and obviously he's a friend of Ruben and everything as well off the zombie land. But it was just like, it was so, it wasn't just bad, but it was like on the, it was so on the nose as well. It's <laughs> like, look what's happening. He actually dropped the line and he looks dog shit. And like you said, Brian, it hasn't, there's no threat like at all. Like with with anything because yeah. Eddie is Venom. It's like there's just, it's just nothing there. It was it was to me it was literally Deadpool saying, "Oh, we're, we're having cable," 
but not funny and not postmodern and not like fourth wall breaking. It was just, oh man, it was terrible. What the hell is the deal with, I feel like when you throw an actor like that at the end of the movie, they want the reveal to be so shocking that they, of course, like, okay, we throw in a big actor. That's going to be a big deal. People are going to make a big deal out of it because it's like, it's Woody Harrelson. And if they would have thrown in like a lesser name actor, like it might not have worked for people, but maybe you don't give us that reveal in this movie and you just let like a, a different actor do it in the next film, do the Cletus Cassidy in the next film. Um, does, am I making sense? Cause like, I feel like, I feel like if, if at the end of Batman begins, if they would have gave us a small clip of Heath Ledger at the end of that movie dressed in the Joker, for a whole three years, people would have been saying, oh, my God, this next movie's going to be terrible. Or, you know what I mean? And and, and, and so I think, like, it, it would have worked in reverse that way, where they felt like here they were exciting people, but we may not get the best Cletus Cassidy that we could possibly get because, like, if – Am I making sense or am I? Yeah, we've like scared them out of whatever intentions they've had right. with with our response to this. And yeah. you're kind of also asking, is it too late to course correct? And does recasting come into course correcting here? I don't think they'll. They're, they're definitely not going to recast. It's it's uh, going to be it's going to be Woody because if they if if Ruben comes back, I'm just thinking like you know like for me if like if Jake if you're talking about like like a younger Cletus Cassidy, I'm I'm casting Will Poulter. And he, you know, he was in Detroit. He was in the Maze Runner. Um, he's got a very sinister look to him. And my second choice would be Bill Skarsgård. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah, both of them were. Uh, the first one you said was supposed to be Pennywise, right? Yes, he was originally going to be Pennywise, and then and the, okay, and, and then the second one that I mentioned actually was Pennywise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize that, but I, I, I love Will Poulter. I thought. Will Poulter is just he, – he has a sinister look to him. In Detroit, he was just an evil character. He would have been a great fucking Cletus Cassidy. Same thing with Bill Skarsgård. I think Bill Skarsgård would have been fantastic. And if they would have not – honestly, I think Bill Skarsgård, if they would have introduced him at the end of this movie, people would be excited. But if they would have shown Will Poulter at the end of this movie and he's talking about being carnage, people would have been like, whatever, what the fuck? But like if yeah. you, if they show him in the second movie and like what he can do, then he would have done what Heath Ledger did and he would have like all the people that were skeptics about Heath Ledger being the Joker, I'd say 90% of them were not skeptics anymore. You still had your people that were complaining about hobo Joker and blah, blah, blah. You still had that 10%. But I'd say 90% of the people that finally when they got to see the performance were on board with that Joker. And I think like in this one, they kind of played it safe. Ruben Fleischer is working with the guy he's worked before. Oh, yeah. I understand that it was natural born killers and he played, you know, a psycho in that fucking movie. And I, I you know, I get it. But I, I think. I, I, it's like yeah. the '90s Batman approach to yeah. casting, right? Where they right. should have they should have done the the next Batman approach to casting. It's like, oh, we it's Carnage, the big spider or the big Venom villain. We got to put you know yeah. a big name big in name. there, big name, rather than casting you know good casting like a good character actor. Not that not that Woody not that Woody's that, in that. But, yeah, exactly. But he looked fucking stupid. Yeah, he looked ridiculous. It was just they got, obviously cast him on his name alone and on his connection to the director. He looked and, like Ronald ugh. McDonald just rolled out of bed and hadn't put on his face makeup. 
he looks so unthreatening. Like, I don't, oh my gosh, it looks so bad. Hopefully the suit's on him 100% of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I think the, from, from my, like, personal opinion, I think that, I reckon Woody could be a really good Carnage, but it was, like you were saying with the whole Heath Ledger thing, imagine if at the end of Batman Begins we got, the Heath Ledger Joker yeah, that we got yeah. in the Dark Knight, and it, and they and they did the scene properly, and they like just gave you a little, just a little taste of what he was going to be like. If they did that in this, it would have been great. If they had him, like I said, if they had him like a solitary, and yeah. they had him like almost in complete darkness, just like a silhouette, and maybe just like right at the end, none of this stupid carnage bullshit, dropping lines, none of that, just hmm. him talking to Eddie. And just him being creepy as fuck in darkness, and then like you just show kind of like his face come out of the shadow, and and then that's where the movie ends. Yeah, awesome. But this whole terrible, like hugely brightly lit set with this fucking wig and these contacts and these <laughs> terrible lines, it's just, there's just nothing there. It's just laughably bad. Oh god, they fucked it up. Yeah, they fucked it up. <laughs> you fucked it up. He did fuck it up. You fucked it up, Sony. You fucked it up. Yeah, it it was the worst mishandling of anything in the movie was definitely the carnage stuff. Mm, Christ. Oh, my God. You know what I forgot? (laughs) This is totally off of – I forgot to read this. Tom Hardy – back to Eddie and Venom's relationship. Listen to this, Jake. Dan, Tom Hardy cites the Ren and Stimpy show as an influence on the relationship between Eddie Brock and Venom. Quote, I always saw Venom as a lounge lizard and Eddie Brock as an everyday kind of guy who's inherited this massive ego beast. He, he, he cites the Ren and Stimpy show as a, as an influence on their relationship. So we've got Ren and Stimpy, Woody Allen, James Brown, and who was the other guy? Uh, Woody Allen, James Brown, uh, Conor McGregor, and Conor McGregor. That's yeah. Conor McGregor. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm waiting. So those are his four influences. I, I'm waiting for like this, like in, in Venom Two, for Eddie or Venom to call like you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that you know they're gonna take. He's gonna take down Carnage by putting the uh, happy, happy, joy, joy helmet on him. Yeah, yeah. Or, the symbiote. Yeah, or just like farting in his mouth. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking stupid. What? I fucking love Ren Stimpy. Oh, I do too. Oh my god, Ren Stimpy was amazing. What was it? Uh, was it uh, Super Toast Man. What was his name? What was the powder? Powder, 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 powder Toast, toast man. man. And they would, powder they would, toast he would fly. <laughs> they would fly around and they would grab onto his perfectly supple ass <laughs> as he flew. He used to fly, used to fly backwards. Yeah, yeah. Right. like powered by his like flagellants. <laughs> okay, uh, shaven yak. Day. I want to let's talk about like let's talk about Venom and why we why in the first place did we think that this movie was rated R and I think I found out like where this rumor started back in March of 2017 Collider had an article and I could be wrong somebody else could have reported this but I this is what I found Collider had reported uh, exclusive Sony developing Venom as rated as R rated 
start to their own Marvel Universe. And this was an article from Collider by David Trumbor, and it said the newly retooled Sony Marvel Universe will launch with an R-rated Venom that is expected to keep its budget modest. It sounds like Sony's taking notes on the successes of both the MCU and 20th Century Fox's Deadpool and Logan, and applying them to their own substantial stable of superheroes and supervillains. So the media just kind of like ran with this, and so like then you've got like comic book news reporting on it. You got everybody else reporting on it. So it's it's that's I think I don't know if it's one hundred percent collider, but like th- I think that's where it started here was with that collider report. Yeah, so that was like that was a like a report from a guy who had a source, I suppose, or something like that. It was like maybe in on it. Yeah, I mean it's Collider. They're not the Collider is not uh, just kind of like an outlet that that doesn't get scoops. Collider has been correct a lot of times, so they've had some good sources in the past. But I mean, yeah. and, and and maybe this was something that was being kicked around at Sony at one time. And then they just said, no, they settled on PG-13, but what got out there was it was going to be rated R, and... I don't, I don't know. I don't know why Sony didn't stop that and say, no, it's just going to be PG-13. I, it's, it's kind of bizarre. I don't know. I think it's funny that, uh, ooh, sorry, I came through the other mic. Um, I think it's funny that they're not, they will go back and they will do ADR to correct the word symbiote, but they won't listen to the fans a year, you know, like a year or two ago about everyone creaming their pants over the fact it was, might have been rated R. Yeah. Because I would have thought that like the internet buzz of everyone saying, oh my God, it's going to be a fucking rated R Venom movie would have, would have made them sort of change their minds from PG 13. But then as always, they've got to think about the fucking bottom dollar and how much they're going to make on this. And obviously they wanted to make it as, you know, um, approachable to as much of the audience as they could. Cause I, as far as I understand, it's done very well. It has. It's it like 125 yeah. million or something. Something. Well, it did, uh, as far as, I don't know, it, it did 10 million on the, on the first night on Thursday. 10 million alone, which like broke the record for October. And they were saying it was going to make 80 million. But if you're hearing 125, maybe that's globally, but man, domestically, I think it's going to be like 80 million. So, I mean, it, it's beaten October records for the weekend. Well, I've got, uh, from Variety, uh, the international box office is 125 million. Yeah, yeah, as, of eight, as of eight hours ago. I don't think. Um, I don't think they really knew if it was going to be R PG 13 to the last minute because I, I remember I was looking into this a bit too, and I remember like Hardy potentially saying something about it being rated R, and so I kind of dug into that aspect of it. And I found interviews from as like close to the movie coming out as August 24th with Tom Hardy, where he's very ambiguous about the whole thing. And uh, he, he even says it can pivot to either or, if that makes sense, to mm-hmm. IGN. And this is from the director himself to IGN. He said, uh, we're curious to see where it'll land. We pushed the envelope as far as we possibly could in terms of just making it the most true to the comic version of the film we could. Hmm. He's a character that goes around biting people's heads off and eating brains. 
So we tried to respect that as much as we could. It feels like they're purposely being ambiguous as close to release date as August 24th. And I honestly think they'll never admit this, but they really did make a last minute decision based on making money. Well, and with what you guys are saying, as far as box office reports right now, it was the correct choice. Yeah. I mean, not for fans, of yeah. course, but. <laughs> well, no, I honestly, it's like, I, I, I mean, everybody in my theater seemed to have a pretty good time, Jake. I mean, you know, it's like, as far as like diehard comic book purists are pissed off, but as far as like casual audiences that have never picked up a Venom comic book, I don't think they give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I had another quote from Tom Hardy that he said a little bit later that I liked is, um, which goes along with what you were just saying, Brian, is he says you want to reach as big an audience as possible. It's my son that steered me into yes, Venom. That's there true. would be things that I would probably cover his eyes for. It depends on how sensitive a nine-year-old's parents are. It's not my place to say, but I really don't know what rating they're going to give it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, there was the other story about that Tom Hardy said that he thought the best 40 minutes of the movie. I've actually got cut. that. I've got that here. Tom, Hardy, he talked with GQ about his favorite scenes from the movie. When asked, what was your favorite scene to the film? Uh, what was your favorite scene to film by Comics Explained? He said, things that aren't in this movie. The taboo star continued saying there are like 30 to 40 minutes worth of scenes that aren't in this movie. All of them mad puppeteering scenes, dark comedy scenes. You know what I mean? They just never made it in rumors suggested that violent scenes were cut from the film to ensure a PG 13 rating in the U S but executive producer, Matt Tolmach denied this was the case. Quote, there isn't some phantom version of the movie, Tolmac told comicbook.com last week. Everyone is asking us that. Is there an R-rated cut sitting there? There isn't. Uh, we only ever talked about this movie as being PG-13, Ruben Fleischer added. Uh, what we, what, what I've said in the past is that we wanted to push the violence to the hilt. The Dark Knight was always a huge reference point for me personally, just as far as how you could take a PG-13. I'm proud to say that what I think I accomplished was to take it to the full limit, he said. I feel like we don't compromise Venom in any real way. He's as aggressive as fans could possibly hope for, I think. And then Tom Hardy clarified his statements about his favorite parts of the film being left out, the statements that he made to GQ. He then talked to IGN later and here's what he said. He said, me and the other executive producers know full well that has nothing to do with the story. But nevertheless, would I like to watch a seven-hour version of Venom? Yep, but that's just me as an actor. But the truth of it is, everything that we wanted is in the story. Everything I want is in the story and more and the film is awesome and I'm excited and I just want to shoot a sequel. So it feels like he backtracked mm -hmm. there. It felt like he got, he got pressured and he backtracked. I really do think that there could be 30 to 40 minutes that they did film that kind of like pushed the limit but maybe when they presented that to like um the the board uh the people that uh that 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 rate the movies that actually give it the rating like because like basically if if you take a movie to them and they're like okay no that's going to make it r-rated territory 
and then the scene doesn't make sense without the movie being R and you don't want it R, then you're kind of like forced to take it out at that point. And it, unless you want to like go before that, you kind of like go before like a board and they, like they vote on different things of like what can make it into the movie to make it PG 13 and what's going to push it to that R rating. And I felt like Sony was just like, okay, they kind of like gave in to certain things and that's why that 30 to 40 minutes got left out. Yeah. You know, in, in defense of Hardy, like without the mad puppeteering line, like you could, there's like grounds for like, maybe he was being misread. Like maybe what he meant after seeing their performance, I kind of go, well, maybe those 40 minutes that he missed were just where he was being really over the top goofy with the physical comedy. But then he throws in that, you, you know, puppeteering, you know what I mean? Yeah. Line. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, that's, that's obviously the more graphic stuff. Like what are you doing with puppeteering other than popping heads? Right. And. <laughs> So it's it's just very it's very weird, and I do agree that at the end of the day he was backtracking a little bit in this next interview. Yeah, and, I think um, he got pressured to, to back. Today, yeah, I think he got pressured to backtrack, and I don't know. I I do think like he should have not said that. I think that that kind of like hurts the film. I think he was really worried about like how people would view this film when it came no, out. I was comparing him to like Josh Trank when I saw that because he. That was plastered all over the place, like, the day before the movie came yeah. out. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing, Tom Hardy? No, and, like, for me, I think Tom should be – and I know a lot of people are going to disagree, but I think he should be kind of, like, really proud of, like, what he did in this movie. I think he – I don't think anybody else could have pulled off what he did. Look, yeah. I, I agree, man. I think uh, – like, we've all said this throughout this whole review. Yeah. He did a fucking stellar job, mm-hmm. and he he – made Eddie Brock a way more likable character than I could ever have hoped for. He was absolutely fantastic in both roles as Eddie and yeah. as Venom. He was awesome. So, I mean, it, it's just difficult because there's all this sort of, you know, we live in an age where we hear everything now, you know? You know yeah. what I mean? It's like yeah. the whole thing of we hear everything from the producers, directors, writers to the actors, and everyone has their own take on what's happened and what should or shouldn't be in the film. But it, it is nice to hear that he is excited about it because I honestly, hand on heart, I would say that he did the best performance he possibly could. Right. And I thought that he was amazing as Eddie, and I thought he was even better as Venom. Like the fucking voice, the VO work he did as Venom was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. And that was one thing that I was always worried about was how Venom's voice would be, and I absolutely fucking loved it. And it was, it was even even better than I think it was uh, Hank Azaria did Venom in the '90s Spider-Man show. Which I always enjoyed. Um, Hank Azaria, obviously from Simpsons, Simpsons, and, and Herman a, a, Herman's a, a, Head originally. A, yeah, a million other things. That sure. guy's that guy's fucking prodigy as far as VO work goes. But yeah, he was he was fantastic, and I, I enjoyed every goddamn minute of him as Venom and Eddie. So yeah, he should be proud of what he did. He did really good. Absolutely. Yeah. Will there ever be a crossover with the MCU? I pulled this from Screen Rant, and they said if Sony is hoping for Venom to mix it up with other characters, it might be expected that they've, uh, it might be expected they've at least had some conversations with Marvel about it. This doesn't appear to be the case, with Venom director Ruben Fleischer revealing in an interview with Metro that he had no contact with Kevin Feige or Marvel at any stage, stating plainly no. Not in any way. 
The director admits the production was completely separate from Marvel, but there's still a chance for future collaboration. Quote, I hope that at some point they will be able to cross over, but for us, the entire process was self-contained. I disagree with Ruben. Of course, I know he wants to cash in on, like, you know, the popularity of the MCU. That's the big thing right now. This should be its own self-contained universe. The way that they presented it in this movie should be 100% self-contained. And if we ever get Venom in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I want it to be a completely different actor and a completely different origin story that interacts with Tom Holland, uh, the Spider-Man that yeah. we know. So. Man, Brian, I agree with you 100%, but, man, they're not going to be able to help themselves, right? If they do Venom 2 and it's just as big of a blockbuster, then they, then Sony is going to be fucking doing some dumb shit after that. It's their choice. Right? It's We talked about that earlier. It's really up mm-hmm. to Sony at this point if, if they want to do that, you know, um, because it's their production. If they want to have Tom Hardy's Venom interact with Tom Holland's Spider-Man, Kevin Feige can't say shit to Amy Pascal. It's gonna, it can happen. He can't. He can't tell her no. He doesn't own the character. They, they don't own the rights. And if they want to, I don't know. And I think that this relationship has been working out really well between Sony and Marvel so far. And I don't know. Me personally, I just want to, I, I had fun with this movie. It, it's silly as fuck and I don't want it to get, mixed in with with spider-man at this point like it, it should have to begin with if they would have done this the correct way they would have went to kevin and 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 they would have you know but he's he's got other you know he's got bigger things to do he's got to work out the cosmic side of the marvel cinematic universe that's got to be whole that's got to be worked out they're doing this whole you know uh cosmic thing with the eternals and and they, they, they've got so much going on over there at marvel and uh venom's the last thing on their mind right now so yeah. I, it's it, but i know venom's a big spider-man villain I, he's a huge spider-man villain but it seems like sony kind of like wanted to like jump in and, and do their own thing and they saw the success with with homecoming and and they were like well, well we want to start our own universe jake are you looking forward to silver sable and black cat now after this uh, I guess I'm looking, I guess I'm looking, I have more hope that I'll be, it'll be entertaining yeah. than I did before. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any hope that they're going to do a slam bang job at universe building moving sure. forward with that movie. <laughs> sure. But I mean, you know, seeing, you know, two kick-ass women in a fun 90s style action movie yeah. could be a pretty great time. Yeah. Yo, you're selling me on it, Jake. <laughs> no, you really fucking are. You're selling me on it now. It's crazy. That, you're, you're selling in that line that all the critics have said that Venom is essentially a 90s superhero film. Yeah. I think it is. It is. It is very really, much that. Yeah. Yeah. It, feel, it feels like Lethal Weapon-y. Yeah. <laughs> It's so weird. I was going to say, man, like the whole thing about like Venom, like going into the MCU. Do you not think that there was like, even if it was like a subconscious decision to, to bring in the humor, to not go in a totally different, like kind of horror orientated way to have this character be funny and be very likable and, and be the hero. Do you not think that they might be kind of trying to tread that line into that universe sony 100 percent wants it to happen it's really kind yeah. of like up to kevin feige at this point and i think like jake kind of alluded to it earlier that the dollars kind of speak and so you know i don't know i mean, it, 
Possibly. I mean, of course, we want to see the spider on his chest, but it doesn't make sense of putting it on there now. There's really not the motivation. There's not the I mean, unless 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 they can still work out a way for Eddie and the symbiote to break up and for the symbiote to 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 find a a more uh, attractive and stronger host and that host be Peter. And then, you know, I, yeah, I, so you're talking like you're talking like two movies in the future. Yeah, like one yeah. Where, where Spider-Man gets the black suit, yeah. and then you know. Oh no! Oh yeah. no! They're gonna cram it all into one movie. They're, oh, they're, of course, <laughs> of course they will. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but I mean, that's just that, that's the kind of vibe. Well, see, I, got. I know. One I, of the things that took just, me by surprise is Sony. The fact that it is this film that you know uh, it, it is standalone, but. It, it, like the kind of vibe and the kind of tone that they actually went for mm. is that kind of, you know, that kind of Marvel tone, that kind of like there's jokes and there's action and there, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, a little bit more kind of like serious, like horror stuff in there, but not, not very much at all. So it does kind of lend itself to having Tom Hardy jump into the MCU. It's sure. kind of weird. It is weird. See, the, the thing is, it's like, if 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 Kevin Feige was on board from this in the beginning, I, I honestly think that that Marvel would have played the long game with this. They would have played the long game where like they, you know, like Peter Peter gets the suit and and and, and then and and then after that happens, you know, like then the suit go, gets goes to Eddie and like we get we get a proper thing. But like Sony wanted to get the ball ball rolling now, and they got Tom Hardy now and they got Ruben Fleischer now and they like if if you don't jump on it then your movie doesn't get made and so Sony jumped on it now and so like that's why we got this movie that we got Sony played the short game and honestly as much as this is kind of like blasphemy to to comic purist fans <laughs> in, in in every way uh, and uh, every way the character was presented here as far as like the origin story is concerned it it worked out for sony quite well so far i don't know how if there's going to be a second week drop off but i mean if we look at the rotten tomato score the critics kind of like it's sitting at i believe at a 31 percent but the audience is sitting at an 89 percent like Audience yes. seems to really enjoy this movie. So it's, it's, this is one of those where like people are going in and having a good time in this movie and it's the critics that don't like it. So I, it's crazy and it's making money in spades. I don't know if the second week, if there's going to be a huge drop off, but I think like really like what's the competition next week? We got, uh, bad times at the El Royale and we've got first man. I think. I don't know if either one of those movies will be able to beat this out. I think, yeah, I don't think so. Venom. Might, I, I was gonna. I was gonna yeah. say what uh, if it, if they did do if, if the MCU did do their own version of Venom. Are there any actors that you have in mind that could play Eddie? Ooh, fuck! That's a good question. Mm. Just off the top of your head, but I was just wondering because it does seem like that they're not going to bring him in. It, honestly, from what Kevin Feige says and his fucking reactions to Amy Pascal in that in that video and everything, I was just sort of like curious. Hmm. Yeah, hey, bad podcasting. I'm just trying to think of who it could be. Yeah, sorry. It's, it's literally just. I mean, I honestly, I never even thought about it because, like I said, like the you know six months ago when I was on last, I. I couldn't have never imagined that Eddie Brock would be played by Tom Hardy, not in my fucking wildest dreams. 
So it, it kind of stands to reason that if they did bring him in, they would need an actor that would either be able to make him All right, as, I got like, it. as likable. I got it. Way. I got it. I yeah. thought of – go, go oh, Jake. Go Give me your answer. I was going to say it's not a good answer, but it's not, the first thing I think of is is Jake Gyllenhaal just because of – he kind of – But he's Mysterio. He's Mysterio. I know he's, I know he's Mysterio, but yeah. just because he was very Eddie Brockish in that movie where he was kind of the uh, – I forget the name of this movie, but he was where the paparazzi reporter – Yeah. Uh, not night, night something. Nightcrawler. That is Nightcrawler. Thank night, you. Yeah, Nightcrawler was incredible. Yeah, that was a very kind of a Brockish character. Like, yeah, it was it, it, like Brockish if he was a sociopath. Yeah, <laughs> I think Brock is kind of a sociopath, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he's a, he would, he lied to sure. further his career, and yeah. he was a narcissist and. Like he didn't start as a great guy. Yeah, well, this this character is really fucking dark. Nightcrawler is really dark. I my answer. Oh, what's what's crazy about Gyllenhaal being Mysterio too that I wanted to point out is Gyllenhaal was in uh, the running to play Spider Man for the original Raimi movies. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He was gonna fill in because at the time she was he was um, Dunst's boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my my answer for Eddie Brock in the MCU would be uh, Oscar Isaac. Oh, oh I, I love that's it. Good, yeah, that's really I, good. I, I co-sign that. Yeah, I I only have one choice because, but that's because I'm a massive fan of his. Is uh, Sam Witwer because. Uh, Oh, oh my awesome. god! Oh, you blew my fucking mind. I love Sam Witwer. That guy, he does not get the no, fucking he respect doesn't. and roles that he deserves. He is amazing. He gets respect from Star Wars fans, but yeah, like as far as his, but that's like his voice acting. But as far as like his actual acting, he doesn't. And you are one hundred percent right. Like I love Oscar Isaac, but that guy's got enough fucking work. Like give it to Sam Whitmer. <laughs> like no, yeah, it's not I, like. I, I love that guy. And, oh my and god! He's a huge fucking nerd. As yes, well. he is. And I just think he would like, just kill it because he's so. Oh my god! So his, his look is amazing. He's a fantastic actor, and I think he would just fucking take that role and run with it because he could be sinister as shit. Yeah, as well. he's, he's amazing. Well, he played a goddamn vampire. You know, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. Dan, I love that. No, like, I gave you, I gave everybody just like, oh, Oscar Isaac. Everybody knows that <laughs> fucking guy. And here you are. No, here's Dan saying, you know what, Brian, you're in your little box. I'm thinking out of that motherfucker. And you give me Sam Whitworth? That is brilliant. Oh, thank you. No, no. I'm, so, I'm, so Sony execs, when you're listening to this, get Sam Whitworth, please. I'm thank telling you, very you much. that's a, that's an incredible casting, Dan. I, I'm I'm on board. Oscar Isaac, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to ask because we didn't say this previously, but yeah. I'm assuming you guys got the same end credit scene that I did. That's the we got the uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, uh, Spider-Verse extended yeah. scene. I. Man, I, I the more I see from this movie, the more I get excited about this. It just looks absolutely insane and incredible. It looks so much fun. Yeah, yeah it looks incredible. That was one of the not, it's not one of the reasons, but it was also it was a reason why uh, my rating was so low because after seeing that at the end credits, however long it was, like five to ten minutes, whatever it was, it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> 
<laughs> like from start to finish it was so damn cool and funny and heartfelt and just it, it just it blew away the previous two hours of what I just watched it was smart. in an incredible it, way. It was smart marketing, too. You've got... It's very clever. Well, they showed the trailer before the movie. Um, if, 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 if families did stick around and wait for it, if the kids saw that scene, like, the, the kids are going to be telling their parents come December, like, hey, we got to go back and see this. And, like, I, I heard in my theater when they showed the first trailer before Venom started... Like, I heard parents say, oh, you know, talking to their kids, like, oh, look, you know, Johnny, look, it's, you know, and so, (laughs) you know, and like, when people saw Spider-Ham, when people saw Peter Porker, Jake, kids were laughing in my theater. Kids were loving it. Yeah. Oh, man, Maloney sounded great as the voice of (laughs) Spider-Ham. That was that was great casting. Oh my See, we god! Did, we didn't get that at all. We got Aquaman and a couple of other movies. Uh, I can't even fucking remember. But we literally we, we watched watched trailers. We watched Venom. Got the terrible carnage scene, and then as the it's in amazing palate cleanser right yeah. at the end, we got to see. I know we dropped the spoiler warning already, so it's your own damn fault. We got to see like Miles Morales, yeah, like go up to the grave of Peter Parker, oh. and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like tearing up in the cinema, and then he meets what we think is Peter, and they go on this. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! <laughs> it's so fucking. It's good. A, it's a, it's like it's like it, it reminded me of like. <laughs> What, what was that movie where uh, uh, Weekend at Bernie's? Like where he's, <laughs> it's like it's like Peter is knocked out and just getting bashed around as they're like swinging through the city in the subway. Yeah, I was oh he, my like, god! Attaches a web to Peter Parker's yeah. body and then like webs the tr- the webs the fucking train. So good. His body's just getting dragged through all the traffic. It's and then there's like the slow motion bit where like he's got the fucking Peter. Peter's, Peter's body has like the snowman head on it and it just drags across the windscreen like really slowly next to that kid oh my god it was amazing day one yeah. day one I am watching this movie oh ditto I am yeah. totally sold like at 100% I am there fucking day one I am watching that film uh, I'm so proud of uh, Lord and Miller, yes. and I hope this does really well for them as kind of a big middle finger for losing the solo gig. I mean, can you imagine? We could have had a 100% solo movie written by these guys. And- yeah, I know. But see, here's the thing, Jake. It's not like – it's not like, and I know this is like on a smaller scale, but like it's been a bad year for Phil Lord and uh, Chris Miller because not only like did Solo, like the whole Solo thing happen, but um, – one of my favorite shows, and Dan, I know you're a big fan. I know our buddy Matt Kirby's a big fan, but Last Man on Earth, they're executive, yeah. they're executive producers on that show, and like that show got canceled after a huge cliffhanger, and so it's been a bad year for those guys. I think like I can't. I hope that this movie just fucking explodes, and it's like it's like Lego Movie all over again. We're like. You know, and this is getting sequels and like kids are now like, oh my, they're like Miles Morales is on their radar and like Miles Morales comic books are being sold. People are going to comiXology and looking up Miles Morales and, and, uh, you know, just that whole Brian Michael Bendis run. I just, I hope this just fucking blows up because this movie yeah. looks tremendous. I, yeah, I honestly I think, I think it will, man, because what with the, the Spider-Man game and everything, 
as well. Like, there's there's a lot of uh, spoilers for the Spider-Man game. If anyone's listening that hasn't finished it, um, Miles is in the game, and you get to kind of play him as before he gets powers and stuff. The fact that he's in that, and and again, the voiceover work and the mocap is so damn good. And like, having him and his story kind of played out in the game, which only came out like a month ago. That, and if kids, if kids or just adults, I mean, cause I was enthralled by this credit scene. Mm-hmm. If they see that, and just like you were saying, man, I, I am just 100% sold. And I wasn't even thinking about Spider-Verse before I saw this movie. And then that happened. And it just, it, it absolutely blew me away. Within fucking, you know, eight minutes, whatever the hell it was, yeah. it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't long enough. I wanted more for definite, but it was such a nice moment. It was so funny. There was so, the, the, the animation is fantastic. The fucking music is incredible. Oh, God. I cannot wait. This is one. It's going to be awesome. This is one that I'm going to recommend that if, if they haven't an IMAX 3D, like this, that's the way to see this one. You know? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's how I'm going to be viewing this. When oh, I, went, I can't uh, wait to see that like cell shaded animation in 3D. Oh it's god, be crazy! Oh, they, I, when I went to the real 3D, I got to see this in 3D, and it looked tremendous. So, it looked really oh, good. man, yeah. So, um, I, uh, um, shit. As far as Venom's concerned, I, I had one more thing that I wanted to say, but I can't remember what it was. But anyway. Um, I wanted to kind of like end the episode with this, with a little bit of a history lesson for people. Jake, Dan, you guys probably know about this, about how the original black suit came about. Do you know the yeah. or, the origin story of like... Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know this very well. <laughs> well, yeah, there was a... Uh, it's kind of crazy. And did you guys catch the Easter egg in the Venom movie about this? No, was it the guy's name? Yeah. Oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I, and I caught it on my second viewing, Dan. Okay, so here we go. But if, if you don't know this, like, it, it, it was, uh, basically, like, Marvel had, like, it was, was it, like, a kind of like a write-in contest? Or like, they ran a competition for, like, writers and artists and for them to, like, take uh take a stab at like different uh you know storylines and and things like that for marvel and there was you know and they would listen to like your story well they got this submission from this guy named randy schuler and uh this guy randy schuler this was back in the the early 80s and he thought it would be really awesome if if spider-man got like a new suit that would upgrade his power so he was the one that came up with the idea for the black spider-man costume and so he sent this off to Marvel and apparently like Marvel really liked it. They thought it was really cool. And so like they bought the idea off him. They sent him a check for $220. <laughs> God bless you, Randy. Seriously. From all the Venom fans out there. Yeah. Thank you so much. So this is just like a, like a reader of the comics, Randy Schuler, And he, he thought, Oh, it'd be cool to give Spider-Man an upgraded suit. And it's a black suit. And so like what was cool about Marvel, not the $220 payoff, but what was <laughs> cool about them is they actually gave him a chance to kind of like write the story for this and so like he he kind of like submitted his story and and uh and um they 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 weren't a big fan of like what he came up with and and um 
he is an author now, but like, and then, and then they sent him another, and then he did another draft of a story and they didn't like it. So like, that's when they just kind of like, here's your 220 bucks and like Jim Shooter sent him a letter. And, um, you know, he, he, I think he still has this letter in his possession, but, um, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Like 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 we wouldn't have gotten the black suit had it not been for Randy Schuler, just a fan who presented this idea. And um yeah, he was yeah. talking he was talking to Tom DeFalco over the phone talking about like how they could introduce like this this black suit and and uh came up with these stories. They didn't end up going with his with his stories. They came up with their own thing, but still kind of a crazy story that a fan did this and like like, here we are watching the like what that black suit has become and this guy got paid 220 dollars and marvel it feels like marvel didn't even want to recognize this guy and they were worried about him suing and all he really wanted was like some kind of like recognition from marvel like just throw his name into like you know like when spider-man 3 came out throw his name into the credits and like that didn't happen but i will talk about what happened as the easter egg in this movie here in a moment but dan what do you got man I was going to say, man, like Randy's quote, which was like his letter or uh, telephone conversation, whatever it was, yeah. it just says, I thought it would be cool if Spidey needed to upgrade his powers and his look. So I came up with this idea that Reed Richards had a, a new costume for Spidey using the same unstable molecules that the Fantastic Four costume made out of. The unstable molecules would flow into Peter's paws and allow him to cling to walls better. I think my original idea was to increase his sticking power by 25% or, or something like that. <laughs> I love that. I love the exact mathematical That's number. That's awesome. Power increase. Yeah, about 25. The fucking legend. <laughs> so good. Because oh, it was originally incredible. designed as like a stealth suit. That's what he had in mind. Yeah. But yeah. And then they, they just, they love the idea and fucking ran with it. $220. $220 oh, check. Honestly, I think that that check, if he would have saved it and not cashed it in and just like framed it, would be worth more today at an auction. <laughs> Than the actual two hundred and twenty dollars that he received from that check. But imagine being a young guy and getting a check for two hundred and twenty dollars from Marvel, and how exciting that must have been for him. You know? Um, yeah, he saved he saved the letter. It was just amazing. Like, yeah. I mean, that would have been enough to please me. Yeah. Oh, I would yeah. Have suggested the idea, and Marvel ran with it and acknowledged that they used my idea and gave me whatever you know, yeah. two hundred bucks. Shit. Now, I, honestly, dude, I would I would be suing the fuck out of Marvel now. I would. I would well, today. <laughs> today, I would be back, like back then, dude. I am I am the I am the Bill Finger of this black suit. You know, like Bill Finger with Batman. <laughs> I am the Bill Finger of this black suit of Spider Man. Like, give me my fucking recognition. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But back then, I mean, two hundred fifty bucks in nineteen eighty four. Now it wasn't even two fifty. It was two twenty. Jake. Oh, two twenty. <laughs> Might as well have been two grand in nineteen eighty four. Okay. So here's what, what was the Easter egg, man? The Easter egg, dude. And I caught it upon my second viewing. It was remember the scene where Eddie and uh, Venom were first like. Uh, uh, they, they they first fought uh, the guys in his apartment and they escaped and they're in the alleyway and Venom has him pinned up against the wall and Eddie can't move. Eddie says something yeah. like, you're a brain tumor in my head. And like Venom's arguing with him and pinning him up against the wall. 
Yeah. One of the drones spots them in the alley. And then we've got uh, hitman Billy Corrigan. He's talking to Carlton Drake and he says, I've spotted him. He's in the alley behind the Schuler building. Oh, oh so nice. Cool. And that was a that was a that was a, a really cool tip of the hat to Randy Schuler uh, by Sony. I want to I want to actually I we got to give all the credit here to Sony and the writers on this movie for doing that move. I think and that's something that they did that that Sony didn't do in the original Raimi movies. So it's I feel like Sony kind of and I'm not blaming Raimi. I'm just blaming I think it's really cool that Randy kind of like, you know, wanted that recognition and I feel like he got a little Randy Schuler is now an Easter egg in a Venom movie. And how cool is that? That is super fucking cool. That's that's really cool of them to do that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was when I when I when I heard it, I was just like, Holy shit, that's awesome. <laughs> I was so excited because I don't know it like I don't know if like that if it if that has made like the Easter egg list on like, you know, comicbook.com or screen rant. I haven't read the Easter eggs for the movie, but that's an Easter egg that I caught, and I was just like really pleased to hear it in the movie. I thought it was very cool, and it's it's just an amazing story about how this black suit came to be. It wasn't like some up and coming writer from Marvel, you know, came up with this. It was this was just a just a kid writing into writing into writing into Marvel and saying, yeah, a black suit would be cool, twenty five percent stickier, right? Yeah, yeah. Ju- just the guy. Yeah, the best stories always involve just the guy. Absolutely. Oh, wow. He wasn't cool. wrong though, man. He really tapped into something with that black suit, right? I mean, just yeah. on just on image alone, I mean, just almost like Darth Maul in Episode One. It's like one of those yeah. things, like the first time you see it. Yes, it doesn't even matter what the background of that story is. That is just like the definition of cool. The first time I saw Spider Man in the black suit, I was just like, I'm that cover. I was just like, holy fucking shit. That is awesome, yeah. you know. Oh man, I had the Secret Wars toy with the fucking shield that you put the little holographic I... disc in that changed. Yes, I remember that, dude. You son of a bitch. Those toys were awesome. I never had the fucking Spider Man one. Damn oh, man. you! A black costume Spider Man and Hobgoblin were my two favorites. I had oh. I had the Secret Wars Kang. I had Secret Wars Wolverine, and I had Secret Wars Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> I did Doom too, man. I, those are Secret Wars figures were like my life. Man. Those are Going awesome. To KB Toys yep. getting them Secret Wars figures. I went to. I used to go to Children's Palace to get my Secret Wars figures. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I still have my Kang around here somewhere. Oh, I still have my Hobgoblin and my back Black Costume Spider Man. Nice, nice. All right, this is the episode. We talked about Venom. I want to thank uh, you guys for joining me on this episode. I had a lot of fun. I really did. Yeah, this yeah. was a great episode. I wouldn't yeah, say it was a good one. It was it was fine. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was just fun, fine. <laughs> it was a, it, it was a really fun episode. I mean, there was tons of plot holes in it. Yeah, but I had a good time. <laughs> exactly. I had a good time. You know, I turned my brain off. You know, you know, and I had a I had a lot of fun. No, uh, Dan, I want to thank you <laughs> yeah. for joining us. And I know I want you. I I did remember. I want you to be able to plug like what you're doing currently in podcasting world. Uh, in the podcasting world, don't be ashamed, I, and I don't want you to be ashamed of this because I'm listening every week, and I'm having a blast listening to you guys. I don't know. Uh, aside from the usual stuff that I do with the Leftover Army podcast, so I, I edit and 
publish uh, Lola, which is Rebecca Daling's show. And obviously we have like Tales from the Yard from Scott Shooty and, and a myriad of other shows. Um, the main thing that I've been doing recently is I'm doing a, a, a Dungeons and Dragons playthrough podcast um, with Mr. Jake Harmon. Uh, running as our uh, dungeon master and I play Bruin Sylvanus who is a human druid and we have Matt Kirby, Jai Rivero, Eric Marable. Um have I forgotten someone or is that it? Frank. <laughs> Sorry, Frank. <laughs> See, he's just never on anymore. <laughs> and then Frank as well as uh, Flint and we uh, we play Dungeons and Dragons and each episode is is about an hour long. And uh, we we are playing through Jacob's story. He's a fantastic DM. So if you're a Dungeons and Dragons fan, and you know you're, you're waiting for that next episode of Critical Role or High Rollers or something like that, if you want something a bit shorter, a bit more condensed, uh, check us out. We are um, we call Brute Force and Ignorance, which is a, a leftover army D and D podcast, and it's on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm not gonna lie. It's not. No, no. It's 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 it, it's not a lie. And I'm not just saying this because like, hey, you guys are my friends, and I'm gonna kiss your ass. No, like I listen every week, and I have a ton of fun listening to you guys and your adventures. Jacob Harmon is a fantastic DM, and it's you're not listening to fu- you're not getting in there, and you're not listening to people having dry conversations. It's not boring. It's very fun. <laughs> I, I've I've been having a blast listening, and I'm not just I'm not just saying this because you guys are my friends. I'm saying I actually have there's an entertainment value in listening every week. Jacob Harmon does a great job. He's made to do this. It's he's so good at doing this. So people need to get on iTunes, get on SoundCloud, and they need to do a search for Leftover Army Podcast, and then the episodes that are labeled. Uh, you know, uh, brute force and ignorance. Go back and start from episode one and listen. Uh, was the last episode twelve? Uh, it was thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. It, yeah. It's uh, it's been it's been a hell of a ride so far, and it's it, it's not like other D and D shows. It's uh, it's a lot more kind of fast paced. So there's not a lot of shopping episodes. <laughs> I know mm-hmm. a lot of people complain about on other shows and things like that. It it goes pretty damn quick, and um yeah, like you said, man, Jake is a fantastic DM. He keeps the ball rolling all day long, and we just have an absolute blast every time we record. It's fantastic. I love the the way he's introduced, like the last two episodes where he did. Oh my god! It's just like I did. I didn't know he had that in him. Like I know it's crazy. Jacob is just a he is a fucking nut. And what's great about this is like I think like anything that you do. You tend to get better at, and it's like he was good to start with, but like now he's just getting more and more comfortable and having more fun and letting loose. And like he just, the introductions that he's been giving on each of these episodes have just been so fun and so bizarre, and I love it. He's doing a great job. So, yeah. He's fantastic. And uh, if anyone is interested, uh, it is a completely original campaign. So Jake has actually written everything that we've done. There's that's nothing awesome. like this that, that has been kind of, you know, pre-made from Wizards of the Coast, the guys that make Dungeons and Dragons, nothing like that. It's all a totally unique campaign. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an absolute blast to play. And uh, yeah, Jake's the man. He really is. He it's is. Like he, has us, he has us in, in tears laughing like every damn week that we play. I Fantastic. I'm always like happy when I see a new episode pop up because I know for the next hour 
I'm going to have a fun time and I'm going to be whisked away to some crazy Jacob Harmon world that he's going to send us to. <laughs> and I feel like I'm, I'm part of the, I feel like I'm part of it too. And I, and I've kind of like grown to like love the different characters, you know, and you know, I, I love you shape shifting into different animals and I love Aurelius and his bow and, and, uh, you know, Zorn with his sup, you know, Jai Rivero and it's, oh my God. <laughs> You know, so he is literally the coolest Dragonborn that ever lived. There's no fucking doubt. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, I was, I was going to say, man, like, um, we're, we're taking a, a quick hiatus because Jai had his anniversary, um, hmm. uh, two weeks ago and now hmm. Frank is having his anniversary this week. So there won't be any episodes for a couple of weeks, but we'll be coming back with a, uh, Halloween inspired one shot, which will be the next episode. Shit. And, then we will be back into the main story after that. Shit, that's awesome. Okay, listeners, this means that you have a chance to catch up. All right? <laughs> you know what I mean? They're taking like they're take like Walking Dead does like their mid-season break, you know? We did our eight episodes and now it's like football and everybody's getting ready for the Super Bowl and we don't want to have to compete with that because we're all, you know, we got to get our ratings jacked up. So like right now, you know, uh, brute force and ignorance. It, yeah, I know. If we're done talking about Venom, so if you're still listening and you're annoyed with me at this point, just turn it off. All right. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Why are they talking about stuff I don't care about? Well, it's something that you should care about because it's a lot of fun. And if you don't know anything about D and D, then listen to this and you'll you'll enjoy it too. But I'm it's just now you guys are like on your little mid season break. And people have a chance to catch up through the first 13 episodes. And then by the time you guys get back, cause it's really easy to listen to. And I, I do a lot of driving around for my job and I'll, I'll throw it on. And for the next hour, it's like, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts where they recap stuff and blah, 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 blah. But here I'm actually listening to a fun story with people having fun and enjoying themselves. And man, I, I, I've really just kind of like, uh, it all hinges on Jacob Harmon. He just does a great job. Yeah, exactly, man. No, he's absolutely awesome. And like I said, it's uh, it's faster paced than what you yeah. would normally expect. But there are, my God, there are some seriously good moments. In what's this that? that hey, I what's never the, thought I would I be know. <laughs> I, what's, the, what's the name of that little fucking character, the the astronomer? What's his name? Tybert. Tybert. Oh, my God. I, I don't know. Like, how do you picture that character in your head? Like, I'm sure, like, I picture him as, like, every character, like, in a Studio Ghibli movie with the big glasses. You know what I mean? Yep, He's that's like, exactly right. Yeah. Thank He's you. Like, He's about three foot tall, yes. fucking great ears and a big nose and these great big like kind of bi-spectacle glasses. Uh, um, it's not a spoiler and I'm sure Jake won't mind me saying this, yeah. but there will be a Tiber backstory episode coming very, very soon, uh. which will be about how he sort of came to be who he is. Uh, it won't be very long, I'm sure. That it, it's the Tybert backstory, so um, I literally got the folder for it today, and uh, I'll have to edit that and do all my usual sort of sounds and music and things like that to it. But yeah, I'm gonna find out who the fuck this guy is. It's gonna be really cool. Okay, uh, you hear that, listeners? You get a backstory on a character you've never heard about, so that's awesome. Anyway, what... <laughs> well, that was more for you than anyone else. <laughs> I know, and I enjoyed it. No, here's no. This is why I'm bringing this up. There's an episode where you guys draw a dick on his fucking face. That's why people should be listening to this Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Is because did you guys? It was a mustache and a dick. 
it, 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 I don't know where the dick came from because on the actual episode it was it was a moustache and sideburns. Oh, okay. And then, wow. on, and, then the, and then on the next episode, somehow a fucking dick appeared because everyone thought that that's what we would have actually drawn. What Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> podcast are you listening to where they might possibly even suggest drawing a dick on some character's face. Well, you know, Kirby did put the guy's hand in a bowl of water, so he pissed himself. <laughs> he did so. piss himself. <laughs> it was... Oh, man. I'm not surprised with Frank on the on the team, too, that a dick got involved. Oh, yeah. So. No, it, it, it basically, if, if you guys listen to this and you enjoy the humor and everything yeah. of this and many other episodes, it's the same fucking it's thing. Fun. It's so <laughs> it's much ridiculous. fun. I love it. I love it. I look forward to every, every episode. So uh, check out the Leftover Army podcast. Check out Brute Force and Ignorance. While you're there, also check out Tales from the Yard. That's Scott Schutte's podcast. He's been on this show before. Also check out Lola, which is Rebecca Daling. She's on here. She's pretty much a regular at this point. And then also, you know, Bernie does his episodes of His and Her, uh, His and Her Perspectives, uh, which is an awesome show as well. So check those out. And that is all we have. Dan, thank you so fucking much for joining us for the Venom episode. I didn't want anyone else but you on this podcast. It's a shame that Jake had to be here this week. <laughs> that was a joke, Jake. That was a joke. I- I mean, I'm upset too. You mean I could have had the week off? Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Thanks very much for having me on, man. I, I you know, I, I miss you guys terribly yeah. when I don't talk to you every week. But you know, we've got to let other people have their have their opinions and stuff. But yeah, thank you so much, man. It did. It meant a lot to me being on this episode, even though it was a low taste it for me. But fucking hell, no, what's, we got what's, a Venom movie. It's insane. What's awesome about your rating is the fact that you are a huge Venom fan. And you didn't just rate it higher because you're a said Venom fan. You, I love that. I, I think that that is that is the most respectable thing ever. I think that's awesome. Well, it disappointed me terribly. So. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sorry that that was the outcome, but you know, I I do appreciate your honesty, which is awesome. Congratulations so. for your disappointment, Dan. Yeah. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much. I am nothing but honest. <laughs> All right, guys, and just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage, and thanks for listening. We will see you next week with episode 254, I think. All right, see you then. Later, y'all. All right. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a warm brand, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's, it's, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture.
culture. I'm cool, kid. What's his name's already been said. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and give a shaft of crap, even though it's shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Toss it, good and taste Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture left over. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Left over. The only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture left over. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.